the Academy Award-winning director, Steven Soderbergh. Brett Favre claims not to know what a podcast is. You know, I have a podcast, Brett. Did you know that? Um, no, you don't know what a podcast is. <laughs> Reggie Wayne, Brett Edward. I had a, a, a pet snake mm-hmm. by the name of Law. I'm not a snake fan. I don't like snakes. Buy the snake in the house. I get a, a, a text on my two-way. Law dead. <laughs> Chris Cooley threatened to prank call me. Steven, how are you? This is David Dunn. Did I see No, you didn't because I'm recording this thing right oh, now, no, dude. No, no. This You're is the, the podcast. Uh, you the Andy best. Reed did not call Tim Tebow last night. <laughs> too much. Hello, everyone, and thanks for joining us. I'm Richard Eisen. I don't download many podcasts, but when I do, I prefer the Rich Eisen Podcast. Here's your host, Rich Eisen. Welcome to a preseason edition of the Rich Eisen Podcast, coming to you from our Ivory Tower, Culver City Studios in beautiful Los Angeles, California. I am your humble host. Good to see my two Chris's here for another fun program. Chris Brockman, good to see you, sir. Rich, great to see you. How, how's it going? Fresh out of the edit bay where he's putting together the Rich Eisen kickoff special with guests Matt Damon, Larry David, and Kevin Costner. The Kevin Costner chat is the only one that has not yet been posted on our audio version of the show. Good to see you, Chris Law. Rich, good to see you as well. Some web extras on that as well. Web extras, special. web extras. We've got all sorts of content coming out of every single pore that we have here yes. at this show. And that was potentially too graphic, but that also <laughs> fits in perfectly to what we're going to have on this program. <laughs> yes. We have uh, a friend of this show coming up shortly, one of the... Uh, one of the best actors of our time, and I'm throwing that out there. I'm throwing out one of the best, certainly live actors of our he time. He is on an epic run right now. Bobby Cannavale. So excited. Who's been nominated twice for an Emmy Award this year, once in the, uh, the drama category for his expert portrayal of one sick puppy, Jip Rossetti, from uh, bro- uh, from Boardwalk Empire, and also a, uh, a comedy Emmy for his role that he played uh, in Nurse Jackie. And in terms of live acting, if you've ever seen Bobby Cannavale on Broadway, he is something else. And um, I could not be more pleased that he's physically in here in our Culver City studio. Yes. Because he never comes right, west. He's never in Los Angeles. Well, he's an East Coast guy. He, he does a lot of stuff on Broadway. A lot he's of an the, East Coast guy? Really? He's an East yeah, Coast he's, guy. He's a New Yorker? He's you don't a, say. Well, I mean, New York, New Jersey. <laughs> yeah. He's from that area. And, um, and we're going to have a lot of fun with him uh, later on. Yes. And Dean Blandino, the, uh, the VP of officiating of the National Football League. We're going to dial him up because there's been so much said in the last 10 days about a couple of um, – they're not rule changes. It's points of emphasis in a way, as they always say in the National Football League, right. that we haven't changed the rule, but we are really going to hammer this point <laughs> home to all 32 teams to make sure that they understand what the rules are. And one of them has to do with celebrations. And you would read all across the blogosphere, all throughout the Internet land, that the NFL is cracking down on celebrations, that spinning the ball, the mile-high salute, uh, home run swings, the Incredible Hulk, all that stuff, sack Dance celebrations are all going to be outlawed. 15-yard penalties. My Twitter account blew up. No fun league. This, what's the NFL doing to the fan experience by squelching 
spontaneous acts of celebration and joy. And uh, we got to get Dean on the phone here because from what he was telling me, this is not the case. So you're saying there's a mix-up. There's confusion. Well, that the league, I believe, and we'll let Dean explain it later on, this stuff that I just mentioned is still fine as long as you do it in a manner that is not considered showing up your opponent. Taunting. Yeah. Yes. Correct. Well, it was kind of like, you know, Marshall was pretty unhappy after the crown of the helmet rule came out a few months ago. And then kind of once it was explained to everyone in person, and, hey, this isn't just protecting the defender. It's You're also referring to Marshall Falk. Marshall Falk, No, yeah. he's still upset about it. He's still upset about it. <laughs> yeah. Some other people have cooled their, their tone. Well, Marshall's it. issue with it is is what a lot of fans have a problem with, with penalties being thrown for illegal hits because the manner in which a player strikes another player the intent may be a certain way that the manner in which a player strikes another player that when a player is sizing up another guy, he's about to hit him legally. But when the other guy assumes a crash position, it's now illegal mm-hmm. that you hit somebody in a strike zone that you're planning on hitting them. That's legal. But the guy who you're hitting either braces for the contact or moves in a certain manner that when the hit is made, it's now suddenly deemed illegal, even though the intent was never to illegally hit a guy. And Marshall thinks that the using the crown of the helmet is now going to be another manner in that regard. But Dean is going to explain how that the crown of the helmet, no matter how you hit somebody, if you use that part of your helmet and you use it in a manner that you've lined up your opponent and you're outside of the tackle box, you're going you're gonna to get flagged for it. Are you working on something, Chris? Are we interrupting something here? You're, that you're, not at you're, all. you're, you're, you're You've got phone calls. You've got your. I hear you typing in the background. So I mean, can we? Is, is there, there a I meeting mean, or a site survey you're, you're planning? planning? What, there, what's happening? There was no Microsoft Outlook uh, pop up. No, our, our phone here apparently is not on the do not call list. That's our studio oh, line phone. Who was that? Was that somebody it's like for Time Warner or it's Direct TV? It's like it's just an automated voice system saying, this is so and so calling for, and I just have to hang up the line. We've got to get that fixed. Got to get on. So you were sending an email to correct I'm, that situation on the spot. To, is that what that to was? IT? I'm letting IT know that this needs fixed. Is that what you did? Is this that what we just? That's see, what we this did. is this is inside. This, we're we're just ripping the lid back. Live here. in the action. Sorry. We're about that, we're, folks. we're opening the hood on how the sausage is made here, or how it gets screwed up. You know. <laughs> That's more like it. You know, but um, so Dean is going to explain all of this stuff later on, and. Um, and then the conversation with Bobby Cannavale, I'm really looking forward to. Cause Me he, too. Um, let's, before we get to uh, Dean, let's hit on some of these games that we saw this weekend. Because we are one preseason week in we the books. And, you know, uh, just a few things left can, out can, at me. Can you take a, uh, anything you really away from preseason week I, one? Here's a few things that I took away. Okay. Uh, I took away, let's just throw this out there, the quarterbacks. You always look at the quarterbacks, sure, right? Yeah. EJ Manuel played a full half for the Bills. Okay. And look, looked really good looked in the, good. at the end of the first half. They put up a 40-burger. It's preseason. Well, the Bills, just in terms of the two things that leapt out of I like me. how you made a point and then like tried to defend your point by well, saying that it's I don't preseason. Wanna, I don't want to be the, the knee-jerk guy no, that overreacts I know. Listen, I understand, but you have to take a look at it. it, it but the fact they played E.J. Manuel full half, I know Cobb was not, you know, they, he wasn't ready. Right, he still banged up. Correct. So clearly the reps needed to be taken by somebody, but they let him take it also. Marquise, Marquise uh, Goodwin. 
Holy smokes. Fast. Burner. His touchdown return on a kickoff, I don't think he – flag football he would have been caught. No. The way he ran through and past everybody. Wow. What a weapon he might be. The Bills are a fast, young team. That's what I took away from preseason week one for them. Robert Woods, too? Now, you just I, – again, I don't know what will sustain or not – what I also took was the Browns, too. Yep. They gave Whedon 23 plays, I believe. He's throwing it all over the place. And outside of the West Coast system, now that he's not dealing with that anymore, he looked really good. And Deion Lewis, too. They're, yeah. uh, they're kind of scat back with Trent Richardson out played well. You know what I mean? And, and just like, because you're taking a look, everybody says Norv is the quarterback guru. He's, He's the one who record. fixes everybody's right. problems. And Whedon looked really good to me. If I'm a Browns fan, I liked what I saw this weekend. Again, I know it's preseason week one. We have to put put that uh, caveat everywhere. The Ravens looked great, too. <laughs> 44-16, they put a 40-burger up. Can you tell them to stop calling, please? <laughs> you know? You've got, uh, and they signed a few people over the weekend. The Bengals looked really good too. It'll be interesting to see how Bengals they handle that on Hard Knocks. Their win in Atlanta. Uh, Brian Banks, friend of the program, one tackle in the fourth quarter. He had in Atlanta. It was awesome to see him get out there. Right. Um, the Patriots Eagles, which we had on NFL Network live Friday night. The first half of that game it was pretty exciting. Was Shootout. really entertaining. Yeah. Yeah. That Brady opened up with six runs, touchdown. Vic comes out, looks awesome, threw a dime to Deshaun Jackson that took up half the field, touchdown. Then Brady comes back, and he put it in the air eight times, connected on seven of them, including a dime of his own to Shane Vereen. Yeah. That was a Who I think he's going to be shooting up draft boards. Both of them, Ridley and Vereen. Oh, Skyrocket. Do not sleep on those guys. Especially if Vereen is playing that Kevin Falk, uh, Woodhead-type role where he's but catching passes. Here's and... the issue with taking either of these guys in fantasy. Well, it's don't... like taking a Tampa Bay Ray in baseball because you do not know. No, One game, know. they right. could be the crucial component. Exactly. Next game, you don't even see the field. And the Patriots rookie receivers okay. played well, but you don't know how they're going to use, especially when Gronkowski comes back. And so you, I have no idea. Like, Ridley might be what Belichick sees leading up in the week, the right guy to attack. Right. And then Vereen isn't used. And then the next week, it could be completely opposite, right? <laughs> or both of them could do what we saw in Philadelphia on Friday night and crush it. Crush it. And the Eagles defensively... <laughs> I mean, Carrie Williams even said that coming over from the Ravens, that, that nobody fears this Eagles defense. So Chip Kelly may have to put up 40 points a game. They might play a lot of shootouts. They Took scored that away. 38 in the first half in that game. Cardinals, the Cardinals airing it out. Carson, they look good in Lambeau Field. Again, understand first preseason game. I tweeted out, uh, again, during the Cowboys-Raiders game, note to self, get Des Bryant in every fantasy every, league. Every one. I don't know. I just got this feeling he, I, I, that he I'm, is going to take that step I forward. I have the same feeling. Superstardom He's going to be a monster. Yeah, but it's always – no one's ever doubted the physical. It's the – can he keep it together? Everybody talking about how uh, Cam Newton might be a changed man. I don't know. 
But then you saw Cutler threw a pick. Um, Your boy. Mark. Cam threw a pick. Sanchez, I mean, fourth play of the preseason. <laughs> on, we had on, a good text on, chain going during that. On a, on a screen play. That was clearly blowing up to a rookie. Threw it up in the air, and he, as he said, it was just some guy made a great basketball yeah. move. Is what Sanchez said. Meh. Ziggy Ansah made did make a a superb uh, athletic play, but holy crow, Sanchez! What is he thinking? Later on, though, he Worked did throw great. a nice touchdown pass. He did. Two offensive touchdowns for the Jets, which is one more than they scored the entire preseason, pre-season last year. Which is another thing I tweeted out during that Eagles Patriots game that Tebow led the team on an offensive drive for a touchdown to lead to start the third quarter. I checked it out just because I did the mental. You need to actually check the physical stats. It was, in fact, one more touchdown drive than Tebow had led the Jets all of last year pre- and regular season. That one in Philadelphia in the third quarter. I still believe Tebow's got to, um, got to play a position as opposed to quarterback, he's yeah. got to play. A, he's got to play a position role. I, I don't know if he's got it in him to be that Woodhead guy or not. They may not need him. Who knows? But if they want a third string quarterback, they've got him. They've got him because you saw it. What he was running on on uh, Friday night is nothing that they have in the playbook for Brady and Mallard. Oh, of course not. I mean, Brady and Mallard are statues who. Just- we knew that, but still, it's not like he is running the Brady system when he's in there. No, definitely it wasn't. Not. They were just calling the Tebow place, and I don't understand how they can do something like that. You're not. Taking- Why would they do that? And I understand that that Brady is indestructible most of the time. Knocking on wood there, okay. But you're not taking him but off the field. You're not. There's no point. I mean, so any idea that okay, Tebow is going to come in and he's going to learn behind Brady. He's going to learn that system. No. No. Right. That's what Ryan Mallett's been doing for the last two years. It's still the same old stuff that we saw Denver run two years ago and that the Jets didn't even run once last year. (laughs) But it wasn't that Brady Mallett system that he is now going to come in and show that he can do in the National Football League. It was the same old Tebow stuff that, you know, did work. But against the threes, some twos, took that away out of week one. Do you think um, he makes the team after one week, a one preseason if week? The Patriots can are looking you speculate? For, if the Patriots are looking for a third-string quarterback, he makes the team. Yes. But I don't know if that's what New England's looking for. Right. If you're looking for – but you had Hoyer, who was great. He stepped in and could actually He's Cleveland's do backup. what you needed in, in the games. Yeah, but, I mean, why that's would you have – Lombo loves – Loves him some more. Yeah, he he talked about him all the time when he was here. It's, it's why get rid of that though. Yeah, for, for a guy that you don't think, unless you want Tebow to play another position other than quarterback, which uh, I think he'll, he'll do. Concerned about Geno Smith? Well, I mean, I don't, I mean, if he can't stay healthy, that's a problem. You know, that's a problem. I'm just con- I, I, if, I, if I'm talking Jets, which we will with Connavale later because that's his favorite team. You, you're concerned with who, you know who he's throwing to. Yeah. Who is he throwing to? Who's out there? Braylon. To make a play. And then you read, you know, all the Jets uh, reporters believe Santonio Holmes will not be ready for the season. And that because he knows this is just like half the team, Sanchez, Rex, he's got 16 games left in which to prove himself. And if he gets hurt again and they get cut him and he's going to be out there needing to prove himself a second time, what does that mean for him? And so he's going to take this thing slowly. Uh, I think uh, 
I forget which one of the many Jet beat writers that I follow on Twitter was saying that he looked like an old man crossing the uh, field the other day, mm. strolling around, look, limping around. Yeah. I think that was Manish. And, and a lot of people, and people are wondering, okay, are you going to play this year or not? They need him in the worst way, but not if he's not 100%. Yeah. Um, the Redskins, RG3 on Monday, saying that he's going to be an 11-on-11 this week. And Shanahan then saying, you know, we'll see. <laughs> and then RG3 saying, I don't like the plan. And then he had to go out and basically say, you know, on his tweet. What was his tweet? Do you have he it tweeted, there, He tweeted, yeah, a little bit earlier today. Call it up because uh, he felt that compelled to tweet. To me, what we're talking about right now, totally much ado about nothing. He's going to be out there week one and how he does against Philadelphia in week one. That's it. That's it, man. He doesn't even need to play in the preseason as far as I'm concerned. Why risk it? But he it? also said now that he would want to play in the preseason now, even though he said week one. That's the only problem I have is that I just wish he wouldn't be so forthcoming. Yeah. And I understand that, you know, if you feel you're honest and you're always honest. Like, you always take say a little more of a mind, company line. Just a little bit. Just, just, just dial it down. Yeah. Tread lightly. Tread lightly, which, which brings up, again, I don't want to spoil I, I too I much. Watch. I don't want to spoil too much here, oh. but the return of Breaking Bad on Sunday night, um, we'll talk about that after. We'll talk about it later, yeah. But here's the tweet he sent out, uh, I guess, a little bit after his press conference where there was some, there was some uh, talk. There is no friction. There is an understanding between coach and player. Yeah. That is all. Don't have to like everything. I don't think there's an issue. I think Shanahan and him are fine. Yeah. I really believe that, and I'm rooting for him to be healthy because, man, is he an incredible So exciting. He's my bring-back player in one of my big fantasy leagues, too. So it's Keeper? I don't, yeah, it's a keeper league, and I, ha- I can bring him back in the third round, and I'm debating because if he's, not, if he's healthy, and then you lose that third-round pick, I lose right? the third-round yeah. pick, and it's— Guess what, brother? I learned last year I would have taken Adrian Peterson in the first round. I should have. He was sitting out there in every single league— some leagues even into the third round. And you're sitting, well, he can't do this, he can't do that. There are some people who are freaks of nature, and I, I think RG's, RG3 is one of them. I agree. I really believe that. Uh, anything else from this week's preseason? I mean, um, nothing else. I feel bad for Plex. Yeah. yeah you know, rough. I thought, like, maybe his career's over. Blew out his shoulder in practice, not even in the game, against the Giants. Um Nothing else really leaps to mind here. Mm-mm. Just one to toe the, the Chiefs, company. The Chiefs, I mean, Alex Smith looked good. And the stuff that he told Peter King was interesting. Although that he Jamal and Reed Charles. Are sort of attached at the hip. Yeah. Jamal Charles was carted off on Monday. On Monday. They say it's a foot injury. Well, uh, Andy Reid. They're, they're learning in Kansas City what Andy Reid's take is on all this stuff. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. Right. We'll see how he reacts. They say he's going to play Friday. Well, if he can play, he'll play. You know, I mean, we're we're not getting much out of that, but. It's something for all you uh, fantasy freaks to also. Yeah, what did you um, make of uh, the, the report that Andy Reid was trying to trade for Alex Smith uh, while in Philadelphia? I, I saw that, and I didn't. I didn't read. I just saw the bottom line towing that because uh, I'd like to know what year that was because it was obviously after he was drafted with the Niners. But you have McNabb who's doing pretty solid during that time. Then you bring in Vic as the backup. What do you? What are your plans then with Alex Smith? He he tried to execute a trade. They said. A few times with the Niners, mm. he really liked Alex Smith. To me, that's one of those. I don't know. It could be one fact. of those things after right. too, like you're trying to give him an attaboy, pump him yeah. up. Yeah, which uh, you know, which happens. Yeah, you know, it happens. And well, I got uh, a, I got a I question for you. It's sort of anything, different yeah. topic, Rich. What year did the Oakland Raiders leave the Los Angeles area? 
1994, it? correct? Why are they blo- why are they blocking out? I I flipped on NFL Network. You were on the network Friday night. They fl- I flip it on. It's blacked out locally. The later the Raiders game. Mm-hmm. So I I sent a tweet out and Directv responds to me. It was on Channel Five. The Raiders own no, but the Raiders own Santa Monica area. That's one of their yeah. local affiliates. Yeah. Uh-huh. That's that's a little. Well, scary, I mean, there's you know? still if you go around, it's what is living in Los Angeles, dude. Yeah. The whole thing. There's two beautiful things about living in Los Angeles for football. Okay, one is that the early games start at ten in the morning. That's the best. All right, and then and then you're the the one o'clock games, et cetera, et cetera. Are, the four o'clock games are at one. It's not. It's it's so much better in that regard. And two is during the season, you get the marquee game pretty much that's coast to coast in the market, except if it's up against a San Diego Charger game, a Raider game. And in very rare cases, a St. Louis Rams game. Yeah. Because there are still a lot of Rams fans here. And that's why a lot of people think that St. Louis moving back to L.A. is a natural fit. And it's not just because of their contractual situation in St. Louis affords them to be maybe the first team up to move to a possible Los Angeles market. But if you pull any of the natives of this city – who they root for, those are the three teams that they throw up there. And so there still has to be a proprietary aspect to certain teams that are out here. And the L.A. Rams have some fans from back in the day, the L.A. Rams, who they root for. So, But it's more of the L.A. Raiders from the old days or the, the San Diego Chargers, former L.A. Chargers. See, my you know? guide wasn't updated. It said, like, CSI was on CBS. But I thought, yes, I thought it, it was impressive, though, that you did get a tweet back from yeah, it's always DirecTV. Nice they, they it's do that, very yeah. good. Their customer service is solid. Excellent. So um, we're excited. We've got Bobby Cannavale on this show. We'll talk with him about so he's got so much going on. Uh, and we'll also talk to him about his Jets. That's still to come. But let's get to the, uh, to the matter at hand and officiating in the NFL. Let's get some answers now from the top zebra in all the land of the National Football League, the VP of officiating himself. Welcome back to the Rich Eisen podcast, Dean Blandino. How are you, Dean? I'm doing well, Rich. How are you? I'm fine. I'm just spinning footballs. Uh, I'm celebrating. Uh, What else am I doing? Do it legally. I'm saluting. I'm saluting right now. I'm doing the salute. And all I'm reading is that this is now outlawed in the National Football League. Can you tell me, is is this the case where folks who are celebrating in a manner that we are used to having seen will now be flagged for it in the NFL. No, that, that, that is not the case. That, that will not be a foul. So the, the celebrations that we're used to spinning the football, spiking the football, that kind of thing is, is not illegal. Um, the only time things like that would be illegal, which is there's no change is that if they were directed at an opponent. So, a major point of emphasis this year will be taunting and, and acts that are directed at an opponent, whether it's verbal or spinning or spiking the football, throwing the football at your opponent. That That is a foul, and that will be considered taunting, but really no change to the rule. And I think that's some of the – a little bit of what, what's been out there recently in terms of um, the salute, the military salute, and, and spinning the ball. As long as it's away from opponents – that's fine. And, and in the end zone, you can spike the ball, you can spin the ball. Just do it away from your opponent, and, uh, and there's no issue. So the mile-high salute is still legal, essentially? It is, a, it is perfectly legal. As long as I'm not going up to the cornerback who I have just beaten and saluted him in his grill. 
Exactly. That's that's the key. We don't want because that's the type of thing that will that will create that will create a situation. Will create ill will, and then we're dealing with things later in the game. So, standing over a fallen opponent and doing a salute, getting in the 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 cornerback who you've just beaten for a touchdown and getting in his face and doing a salute, that's taunting. But saluting the crowd, there's no problem with that. Yeah, it makes sense. I, I, it, it, this whole business the last week made no sense to me because, first of all, I hadn't heard anything about this, any groundswell at all about it. So, so essentially, just to recap, everything that we've seen on the field the last several years since the last reemphasis or change of the rule, which was several years ago when you stopped, you know, when, when, um, you stopped using a ball as a prop. That was the yeah, that was the was change. The the, then we we kind of we we cut down on the group celebrations, the choreographed stuff, the the prolonged stuff. But everything that we've seen the last several level, several years, that that's all that that hasn't changed. That that really hasn't changed. But the emphasis is on taunting. Where, where does that come from? Obviously, you don't want taunting in the game. That makes sense. But you're saying that there's a uh, an emphasis this year as opposed to previous years when obviously I'm sure there was an emphasis on it. Where, where does this directive, where, what's the genesis of this? Sure. Well, it's, a, it's always a point of emphasis. Uh, sportsmanship, mutual respect, that, that is always a point of emphasis, and we continue to do that every year because that's, that's kind of what we do. Um, what, what, what players do at the NFL level, that trickles down, and everybody's watching those games, and certainly we want to put our best foot forward. And, and so mutual respect and, and – and um, that is, it's a it's a point of emphasis, and sportsmanship is important. Um, so the what we've really emphasized this year is the verbal stuff. We had some situations last year where where players in, early on are, are getting in a, in their opponent's face, and it's creating this this groundswell. And then the next thing you know, we've got a a big scuffle or something that officials have to break up and it's really on the officials and that's something that that we've been working hard with our staff is is to set the tone early make sure um it rises to the level of taunting but get the instigator and get it early and and the biggest deterrent is a 15-yard penalty and and um if a player gets called for taunting uh, uh, his coach is going to let him know about that and there's going to be some repercussions so that's really the the directive is to get it early, get the instigator, and make sure that we don't let it fester. And then we've got this this kind of big big scuffle and and things that we have to break up later in the game. So let me ask you this then. I, mean, I just want to go through certain things here. Sack dance. Somebody sacks a quarterback and does a dance. Uh, for instance, um, you've seen the rope tie stuff uh-huh. that Jared Allen's done. Is that flagged? Now, if the, if as long as he does it away from the quarterback and he can't remember, you can't celebrate or demonstrate on the ground. So you can't go to the ground. No, he's to, his knee is sort of up. I mean, he, he yeah, doesn't touch the ground. Yeah, I know. that's okay as long as he's not as long as he's not actually roping the quarterback. He just sacked, <laughs> which I don't think Jared has done that yet. No, he is so, not. So I think then then he's okay. Um, but we certainly want to make sure. And look, the the thing with the the NFL is. Spontaneous stuff is great, and 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 we're not trying to crack down on the spontaneous celebration. It's, it's the prolonged, the excessive, the choreographed stuff that that goes beyond the spontaneous celebration of of a good play or a touchdown or whatever it is. But so, you, but it does. Are you concerned that you're turning your officials into dancing with the stars judges? You know what I mean? Like where they're going to have to sit here and decide 
what's excessive. Sure. Uh, well, it, it, that's that, that's definitely a concern. And what what we've told the officials is the the if we're going to do a dance, then it gets to a certain point, and then you tell, hey guys, okay, that's enough. And at that point, if they continue, then now we've got a flag. And uh, and so there's a point where, yeah, there's going to be some, some judgment involved. And I think we all want to see the spontaneous um, celebration, but we just don't want it to go too far because, again, uh, it, it creates a, an issue when if I've just gotten beat for a touchdown and now this guy's going to do a dance, and if he goes a little bit overboard, that creates a, an issue later in the game, I think. So Let me just run a couple here more, too, uh, if you'll bear with me. Home run swing. Yeah. Home run swing, as long as he's not swinging in the direction of the guy he's just beaten, that's yes. that's fine. That's okay. Same with the Incredible Hulk. Same with the Incredible Hulk. Yeah, and that's it's actually in the book. Um, it's it's in the rule book. The the home run swing, the Incredible Hulk, and it says, you know, these acts include but are not limited to. But the key part of the rule is that they'll be penalized if they are committed directly at an opponent. And that is the key part of the rule. And then we go into all of the other, just the, the examples of it. Um, certainly, some of the things that it doesn't matter whether they're directed at an opponent, if it's in bad taste, if we have something that, that if, if whether it's a throat slash or something that's a, of a violent nature, we don't want that, okay. uh, sexually suggestive, that type of stuff. That's that's in bad taste. That's unsportsmanlike conduct, regardless of whether it's directed at an opponent. Fifteen yard penalties, correct? Fifteen yard penalties. Fifteen yard penalties on the spot. What's uh, okay? I think we've cleared this up. So how, how does this get? Um, how does this get so mangled? I guess is the only question. Because yeah. I, I, you know, I, I as I emailed you over the weekend, you know, I'm I'm at my uh, my kid's uh, birthday party barbecue, and took a poll. And everybody, and these are savvy NFL fans. Mm-hmm. Read blogs. They read. I mean, they're they're up to speed. They or they like to think. They all think the NFL is outlawing all this stuff. Yeah. That it that it's yeah. that it's gone. You know that 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 somebody spins a ball, boom, that's fifteen yards. Somebody does an incredible Hulk, boom, it's gone. Sack dance, boom, fifteen yards. And and you're saying that's not the case unless that's, it's that's taunting. Not the case, yeah. It's it's been a point of emphasis, and we've been out visiting training camps. And our officials, we have a group of three to four officials from our staff that will visit every camp and we'll do a, a, a session with the team and show the rules change video that we do every year. And it's on there. And, and I think it's, it's someone in the media picking up on that and not reporting it in the right context and saying, okay, the NFL is cracking down on celebrations and not, uh, and not communicating it properly. And then it kind of grows some gets grow some legs and and now you and I are, are trying to clear it up and and that's something that 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 a goal of mine and and here at the league is making sure the right information gets out because there are fans that are that are interested in this they want to know what the rules are and uh, and like you said whether it's your son's birthday party or or some something else people are talking about this and we want to make sure they have the right information Let's move on to the other, um, I guess, item du jour that was in the press over the last week, and it's the pace of play that clearly uh, a lot of fans are interested in because of of the high-octane offenses in the NFL and substitution rules that uh, some folks find confusing yeah. and that many people think that Chip Kelly bringing his offense from Oregon is going to either um, change due to his pace or um, exploit 
So the question is, is where, what, what is this story all about? Let's start with that first, mm-hmm. Dean. Sure. So we, and it's not just about Chip Kelly or, or any new coach that's coming into the league and that's going to, that's going to run this offense. We've had this offense in, in our game for the last couple of years. We had last year, total plays were over 40,000, um, which was a first. We we averaged 157.3 per game, which is the highest since 1987. So this is, this is a trend that we're seeing. Teams are trying to get more snaps. And so they're going no huddle. Um, they're not substituting, and they're trying to get more plays in, in on offense. And that's something that we're seeing. And so what we wanted to do and the competition committee wanted officiating to do, to do was just reemphasize what the mechanics are outside of two um, and what the ball mechanics are. And teams can go teams can go fast if they want. They have 40 seconds to snap the, the football, and they can they can attempt to go fast during that 40 second, but they have to make sure that they abide by the rules. And if they're going to substitute, then the defense will have an opportunity to sub and match up and outside of two. And the other thing is, once the football is down on the ground, um, the offense can't snap it until all seven officials are in their proper position to officiate the play. And so I think that's a key part of this, that um, the referee will determine if the offense tries to quick snap and we'll come in, shut it down, and basically have a do-over. So um, that's part of the deal and just part of what we've been doing and emphasizing with the staffs is, you know, outside of two minutes – if the ball is dead outside the numbers, we're going to bring in a new football. If we have an incomplete pass, we're going to bring in a new football. And then the ball is going to be placed on the ground at the spot, but we're going to need to be in a position to officiate the play before we allow it to be snapped. So as long as the team is abiding by all those rules, we don't have any problems. And so we've seen teams that, that are running more and more uh, of this fast-paced offense, and, and I'm sure we're going to see it this year. But I think uh, we've just been clear what the what the rules are and and I think the teams understand it and so we'll uh, we'll see how it goes. What is what changes with uh, under two minutes then, Dean? Under two minutes now um, we're in the, we're in the traditional hurry up. So inside of two in the second quarter and inside of five in the fourth quarter. Now we will the umpire goes back. The, one of the the changes is. The umpire goes back into his his traditional old spot in the defensive backfield. Outside two, outside five, he's in the in the offensive backfield. So that allows us to speed things up because he's closer to the line of scrimmage. He doesn't have to back out as far. And now we will hurry and we will we will um, pick up our pace to accommodate the offense that is trying to run that traditional hurry up. So we'll go a little bit quicker. Um, and that's always been that's always been the mechanic inside two, inside five, um, to get the ball down uh, because the offense typically when they're behind they're gonna they're gonna hurry up. How much do you talk about this with coaches? How 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 one on one, hands on are you with the coaches themselves? These head coaches who might call you up, pick sure. your brain, et cetera. How much how much do you do that, Dean? Yeah, well, we do we do a visit. Um, in the off season, April, May, we go out and visit every coaching staff, and we go through all of these points of emphasis and rules changes. And I, I myself went to um, 16 of the of the 32 coaches, coaching staffs, and had these discussions about these these issues. Uh, and then we, in training camp, we do the same thing, and and it's our game officials. But I'll I'll get out and try to see as many camps as possible. 
And then it's just having conversations like you and I are having, um, you know, whether it's on the phone or, or at an event, we'll just continue to, to emphasize. So I think the, the, the coaches are all understand what the parameters are. And, uh, and now that we're seeing, uh, we'll look at things in the preseason and, and we'll see, uh, you know, what kind of, how fast they're going. And, uh, and if we need to make an adjustment or a phone call just to make sure we're on the same page, we'll do that during the week. Interesting. Interesting. How about players? Do you chat with any of these quarterbacks? They come up to you. I know, again, you're new in the position about a year, but you've been around. The question is, is, is sure. do you, does Peyton Manning maybe come up to you or somebody of that ilk essentially say, hey, uh, this is what we're trying to do? And Because, uh, you know, you see Peyton barking at the umpire every now and then because he's not backing, sure. backpedaling to his position fast enough because you know he's three steps ahead of everybody else usually, and there are many quarterbacks sure. like him, Dean. Well, that that's not. I haven't had a conversation with Peyton personally, but that's something. When I'm out at preseason games and you have these conversations um, during the pregame warmups, that that will probably come up as I go out in the next couple of weeks. Really, really, we leave that up to our referee, who's who's gonna who's gonna work that game, and he'll start that communication during the pregame, and then work with the quarterback, um, and it'll be a verbal communication during the game, and and say, okay umpires backing out okay Peyton wait for me wait for me okay you're good that type of thing and they kind of get into a flow during the game and and we really haven't had a lot of instances where teams are snapping it too quickly they they understand um what we're trying to do and and uh and they're pretty good about it so we we don't anticipate any any major issues this is something that we've been doing for the last several years let's reset on on the the one rule that uh lit up a lot of radio station switchboards and certainly uh, my Twitter account and you and I talked about it on your first appearance a few months ago the crown of the helmet rule mm-hmm. that has been placed uh, into the uh, I guess it, it's a new rule correct it's not a yeah. new re-emphasis it's, it's a, new, a rule. new rule right that running backs who uh, hit with the crown of their helmet outside of the tackle box are going to get flagged for a hit that many people grew up thinking was legal or knew mm-hmm. or thought was legal that is sure. now illegal just walk us through again i know that uh, you have you and the commissioner and a group of folks sat us down as a group of nfl network folk uh, at the draft and then again three hours before the first speech at the hall of fame mm-hmm. just a couple of weeks ago walk us through the three things that fans need to keep in mind as we're watching games and seeing sure. a running back come out of the tackle box. Yeah, so so like you said, Rich, this is a new rule. It, it's it's runners and tacklers outside the tackle tacklers box. Tacklers, too. Tacklers, too. So, so it applies to both outside the tackle box, which means outside the, the tackle laterally, more than three yards downfield. So the tackle box is that area from tackle to tackle from three yards downfield extends all the way back to the offensive goal line and, and end line. Um, so once we're outside that area, now the rule applies to runners and tacklers, three components. You have to line up your opponent. The second part, lower your head. And then the last part is deliver a forcible blow with the crown of the helmet to any part of your opponent's body. And the crown is the very top of the helmet. So, so the rule is it's very specific as to these three components must be present, and then and then if they are, then then it's a foul. Um, and it's so it's a it's it's narrow in scope uh, because this is the first rules change that involves player safety that doesn't involve a defenseless player. It's it's runners and tacklers who who 
historically have not been considered defenseless. Uh, so the, those those are really the three components. They all have to be there, and then uh, then it elevates to a to a foul. Interesting. And so the concern here is how you're going to call this in real time, and sure. and how do you err on the side of caution because the penalty will be enforced. The guy hits with the crown of his helmet, knocks somebody over, some defender. We're just going to assume we're talking running backs here. Mm-hmm. And goes another 50 yards downfield. Mm-hmm. And somebody thinks that their team is not only set up maybe for a touchdown or has just scored a touchdown, but as a matter of fact, have not. And it's now 15 yards further back from where the blow occurred. Mm-hmm. That's a major, major flag. And the question is, is what have you told your officials in terms of calling it? And secondly, picking up that flag. Sure. What what have you told him about the the adjudication of this in real time, Dean? Sure. Be, well, because it, it it happens in real time and it it's so fast. We we've told our officials you've got to see all three parts. You you can't you can't see two of the three, and and be not sure on one. So you have to see all three parts. They all have to be present. And we're looking for a clear and obvious violation of the rule. And and so if we've got all three parts, it's clear, it's obvious. We want to flag down. If there's a flag down. And we have, in most cases, we should have we should have two officials that are looking looking at that act. And if we've got one flag down and two officials have seen it, we're encouraging our officials to get together and communicate and make sure that all three parts have been met. And so that that's the direction that we've given our officials. We we want to make sure that all three parts are there. We're getting the clear and obvious violation. Um, and if there's any question or there's any doubt. Uh, then, then we don't want the flag on the ground, and and we can handle this during the week with the with the fine process. And so this will be subject to a fine. It's a violation of a of a player safety rule, just like other violations. It's subject to uh, supplemental discipline during the week, and uh, even if a flag is not thrown. So so that's been the direction that we've given our given our game officials. And so we're going to monitor it closely in the preseason and see see what type of uh, plays we come up with because we looked at a lot of tape last year and we didn't find um, that many clear-cut examples uh, that would that would elevate to a foul based on the, the language in the rule. First preseason weekend, did you call that at all? Did that get called a single time? No, no, it was not called uh, this week. Did, so but do you we're, think, we're is, there something that, is there something that you think now that you're going to big brother it with the all-22 and all these cameras that you might find one? Or no? Well, just like anything else, we may we're going to go through. You know, we have our our supervisors that go through every play of every game, and they're they're looking for um, all officiating decisions and fouls and things that weren't called. So, just like a hit on a on a defenseless receiver, if they do identify a play that's potential uh, a potentially a violation in this area, they're gonna they're gonna bring it to our attention, and then we'll look at it. We'll get together with our with our player discipline group. And we'll look at it and determine if it if it should have been a foul and if it should be a fine. So yeah, there may be some plays that we find uh, from this week that uh, that could be uh, that could be a violation of this rule. Now, as you know, punters are people too on this show, Dean. We 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 always focus on the special teams, and I know you've got some new rules. There are a couple long snappers got dinged up this weekend, yes. and I know that that's been a new rule as well. What what happened this weekend? Did there is this the the rule that you were trying to put into effect that still folks have not been able to grasp, 
or these are just mutually, mutually exclusive occurrences? I think they were mutually exclusive occurrences. I, I didn't see anything, and I haven't gone through every every one of those yet. But I haven't seen anything that jumped out as a violation of the new rule, which makes the which makes the snapper on field goals and extra points a defenseless player, meaning that he can't be hit in the head or neck area or with the helmet to the body. So, um, haven't seen any any violations yet, and I don't know if the, those injuries were uh, if there were any injuries that were caused by by a foul. Uh, but we'll certainly go through that the rest of the day and tomorrow and and, and pick up on those. But I, I, is there anything else I'm missing with you? Uh, that's one of those rare questions that easy questions that should be asked because I know there's so much goes on in your world, Dean, and I'm just wondering if there's something another emphasis that we're not discussing that we're going to be talking to you about for the first few weeks of the season saying where did that come from i mean is there anything that i'm missing here that you could no, tell me no i okay. think I, I think that we've covered uh the, the stuff at least we've identified going into the season things certainly come up and and we we look at those things if there's a if we have a spate of injuries in a certain situation we're going to we're going to have to look at that and address it uh but i think in terms of going into the season and what we've been what we've been harping on throughout the off season and training camp uh, i think we've we've touched on it and about the first weekend anything leap out at you with your officials i know uh belichick was uh was all over jerome boger in the first quarter of that <laughs> friday night game like it was the the uh the championship game uh is there anything that you saw in the first week of the preseason that leaps out at you no, I think for where our officials are just like the players. We use the preseason to get ready for the regular season. Um, so obviously, coming off a long break, the guys are just getting back into it and and uh, getting getting used to the speed again and and the mechanics and trying to go through all the new rules, changes, and points of emphasis. So preseason is an important time for us and just getting back back in the saddle and getting prepared for uh, for the regular season. But whether it's Coach Belichick or or anyone else, the coaches are, you know, they're in they're in midseason form, and you know, I'm, I'm already answering coaching questions. Um, teams send them in, and they use the preseason to uh, to do that, which is great because that's where we can get on the same page before the games um, really start to uh, to count. Is there any common theme that you're getting from the coaches so far? No, you know, it tends to it tends to vary from club to club most of them uh, you know a lot of it revolves around holding and pass interference which are two of the two of the more subjective calls that we have and uh, we're always trying to get get more consistent in those areas and so a lot of those questions will revolve around whether my, my player was flagged for pass interference was it or or my receiver uh, was was affected on this play should that have been pass interference so those are the types of questions that coaches send in, which is great because then we can we can explain what our philosophy and our thoughts are, and hopefully we're on the same page, and they can go coach that to their player, uh, and so we uh, we don't have issues going forward. We a lot of people are talking about uh, the clowny hit on my one of my poor Michigan Wolverines last mm-hmm. year, and how the uh, collegiate um, referees uh, the NCAA says that would be now a foul. Would that hit have been a foul in the National Football League? The clowny hit on my um, no, it wouldn't. It wouldn't have been a foul based on our rule because it occurred. It occurred in the tackle box, um, and so the runner, the runner is not a defenseless player, and so for the crown of the helmet rule to apply, it would have had to occur outside the tackle box. So clowny hit him just after the handoff. 
Um, the college rule is a little bit different. College has a rule um, called targeting where you can't target a player with the crown of your helmet. And I think that's where the debate is. Uh, was that the crown of the helmet? Was it the was it the forehead hairline, which is just above the face mask? And I think it was it was very close. And and I don't know what the uh, what the official word was from the NCAA, but um, that would not be a foul uh, under our rule. What, do you work with the NCAA? Yeah, yeah, we we do. Their their coordinator of officials and rules uh, comes to our competition committee, and then I'll do. Going forward, I'll go to their rules committee meetings, and and I think it's it's great collaboration just to to kind of bounce things off of each other because um, obviously the the. The primary goal and the primary point of emphasis in both groups is the same player safety. That that's that's number one, and so we want to try to um, incorporate the same types of rules and make sure that that both games are are safe for for our players. And and so there there's a lot of collaboration during the year and during the off season. And how much of your time is spent uh, looking forward on the future and changing the way you? officiate a game with technology and technological advances uh you know i, I always sure. say that you know get rid of that hood just throw just throw a tablet in the hand of your officials and tell sure. the tv crews not to shoot what the officials looking at and i understand that there's weather problems and glare and whatever but sure. boy that would cut down on a lot if just somebody runs out to ed hockley with with an ipad uh how much of your time is focused on that we spend quite a bit, and especially now in the preseason, we're we're, we're doing some testing um, with some communication systems, um, official to official communications, where all seven officials can communicate wirelessly with each other. So that's something that we're testing this preseason to see if that if that helps us. Um, so there'll be there'll be some games where where you'll see that. Um, we're looking at upgrading our replay equipment for 2014, uh, so looking at, at some different technological advances there. Uh, tablets on the sideline, these are all things that uh, we continually look to innovate through technology to make the game better, and there, there's a balance. I mean, this game has been played for a very long time, and, and, and we certainly think it's, a, it's, not, it's not broken, so we don't need to go too far, but I think looking at ways to, uh, to help with technology is something. It's, it's definitely a, uh, a something that we're looking to do and continue to do. Dina, I'm glad you, you didn't flag me there for saying iPad. I understand tablet is the official... <laughs> Device I, of the I national football. I, no, you I, said I, tablet, and I, I, I know, I know your, 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 your management, and I, I mean, you may go eye in the sky on me here and find me later on for this sort of thing, but I appreciate yeah. you didn't just throw the flag on me right there. I really appreciate. No, well, that. it wasn't directed at an opponent. So was, <laughs> That's right. I didn't taunt you with iPad. Exactly. I didn't taunt you with iPad. If I didn't. You'd have, if you'd have thrown it in my face, now we'd have a different issue. That's right. I didn't put the iPad on the ground. I didn't taunt you with it. You know. And by the way, uh, we had the uh, we had the Chargers uh, Seahawks game on NFL Network the other night, and Ed Ed Hockley's already in midseason form. By the way, I mean he <laughs> he clearly hewed to his off season workout program again. And then on certain plays and certain calls, just he just went he just went full affidavit. Just he just re- yeah. he just, he just went on. I mean, he just he just went on and on. So he's ready to go. By the way, Ed you. is yeah. Ed's in. I think he's in midseason form. Um, Ed is uh, Ed's great. And and one thing about Ed is he he 
he likes to explain things, and I think that's great for the fans. And, <laughs> and sometimes, I mean, we work together. I try to when he emails me, I try to cut him down. I say, okay, you got to cut cut it down to three paragraphs or less. So. But <laughs> he's and, a lawyer, though. He's yeah, a lawyer. Exactly, exactly. But he he does a great job, and I think he's he's always in midseason form. And Ed, Ned never takes the game off. He he doesn't. And last question for you, Dean. I know you've been around the NFL for quite some time, and uh, you were there when uh, Pereira was in the in in the in the uh, the VP chair, yes. and and you saw what he go what he went through, and your predecessors have gone through during the week. Are you are you prepped for that? Because the the coaches just they just they just hit you left, right, up, and down, and I'm just wondering how you prepare for that sort of thing as you go through a first season sure. in your role, Dean. Well, I've 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 been around it long enough, and I've seen I've seen Pereira and Carl Johnson, and going back to Jerry Seaman and Art McNally, I've I've seen how they've done it and how they deal with the coaches. So that's something that I, I believe I'm prepared for. Uh, the big thing for me is just making sure that we're on the same page. For me, taking the emotion out of it. Um, coaches are got a lot riding on this, and, and I know that they're going to be emotional when, when our officials miss calls or they think our officials have missed calls. So for me, I have to take my emotion out of it and, and, and let the coach vent when he wants to vent and, and then um, try to find some common ground and explain where, where we're coming from and what our officials are looking at, and then hopefully we can we can go from there. So uh, I'm looking forward to it. I know some of those phone calls are not going to be pleasant from time <laughs> to time, um, to say the least, but it's, uh, I, think, I think for the most part, Hey, the, coach, the coaches just want to—they just want what we want, which is consistent officiating, and that's where we're going to continue to work towards. And then there's the man at the top of the flow chart too. And and one of the best things about working for for RG One, as I say, is the door's always open for him, and he he delegates. Your job is what you do, and he lets you do mm-hmm. it. But sure. that said, I mean, I, it wasn't lost on me and everybody else at NFL Network who was brought into these two confabs that I mentioned, one at the draft and one at the Hall of Fame, that the commissioner was sitting in on this mm-hmm. and fully engaged. Absolutely. Fully engaged about all these rule changes and making sure that everybody understands them and can communicate them to the people uh, who are interested in the NFL. And, um, you know, so, you know, th- that's an interesting dynamic as well to your job, I'm sure, Dean. Yeah, absolutely. And and he, like I said, he, he delegates, but he's also involved, and uh, especially when it comes to the game and player safety and the rules changes. Like like you said, he was in there with us when we were talking about it with uh, with the, the network group, and uh, he was there when we were at working with the other networks. So uh, he's, Roger is definitely involved, and and that's a good thing. And, and oh, there's uh, no doubt about it. And and I, I just don't know if any other network has somebody like Marshall Falk who would just go, <laughs> just go right. Uh, he's not a fan of this crown of the helmet thing, Dean. He's just you know. Not. He, but he asks he asks good, insightful questions. Well, it's him, it's not sure. just it's not just it, it's not just I don't understand it and I'm going to bash it. But just trying to ask good questions and and like I I told Marshall and like I've told everybody that we talked to about this this rule change is that player safety is is first and foremost and we're trying to get trying to get the head out of the game and bring the shoulder back and and um 
avoid player injuries, and I think that's the big thing. Dean, thanks for the time. I know you're a busy man, and uh, appreciate the uh, the time that you give us uh, on this show uh, in the future as well. So I, I look forward to our next chat. Uh, no, no problem, Rich. I, I really appreciate it. You bet. That's Dean Blandino, the VP of officiating here on the Rich Eisen Podcast, one preseason week in the books. Fun times with Dean Blandino, and it's interesting how he clears a lot of things up. To recap again, celebration rules have not been changed, but they are going to be a little bit more sensitive to the concept of taunting. And whether you're celebrating a little too long, a little too excessively, a little too graphically, or uh, a little bit uh, too much in the face of your opponent. And, that um, seems fair. I think it's fair, too. Yeah. But I don't know how this happens. How, I mean, do you know how many times I got, you know how many times I got tweeted at me? I got... Uh, uh, the full screen uh, graphic that was on Sports Center of all the things that that are going to be outlawed by the NFL, or at least reemphasized by the NFL, as if it was being completely banished. I, all of these celebrations. I saw that. That was an actual graphic because yeah. I, I thought that was like a, a, joke. a joke. No, wow. No, I got that full screen. <laughs> Maybe it was a joke. I don't know, but it just just shows you how this thing goes around and around and around, and the and the. Whisper down the, the alley. social media yeah. universe. Yep. So I'm glad we cleared some of that stuff up. And um, and that's that. So and, I'm glad. And he's, he's on the Punisher People 2 movement, protecting well, he, the, li- the long snapper. Well, <laughs> well, hey, you saw this week with the Eagles. Yeah. The Eagles lost their long snapper in the game, and then they brought Brent Selleck in to, to be the backup, and he rolled it back, and, and it, blew, it blew a field goal, and they didn't even attempt an extra point for the rest of the night. When John Condo went down in that Raiders game Correct. last year, I mean, that was a disaster. That's why you have these long snappers. You know, everyone jokes about them, but it's like a lawyer. Yeah. You don't want to talk about it until you need until one. Until you need one. Remember, Mooch, would tell, Mooch told us guys would try and break their arms, uh, like, and step quickly and dive into their arms, because if, if you would break their arm, right. they couldn't long snap. Well, speaking of breaking bones and cracking heads, <laughs> um, we chatted with Bobby last Friday. Yes. Because, again, um, him, just trying to get him in studio was uh, was uh, a, uh, a process. Let's put it that way. And it has nothing to do with, as you will hear, he's not a high-maintenance man at all. <laughs> no. All right? But he's shooting two movies out here, and he's got a finite time. So getting him in studio we had to get him whenever we could get him. And he that said was he was Friday. leaving on Sunday. Correct. So yeah. uh, he might, as as the as we tape this on the Monday after preseason week number one, might already be on East Coast time. That said, um, earmuffs are somewhat required. I think but I got everyone. Did you get them all? I got them all. Uh, the record, I, I say, I think I say thirteen at the end of this. I went back through twelve. Okay. So. Well, some of them are for me. So, some of them are for Because I wanted to set a tone. You're an equal partner in this. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, you did set the tone. You set the tone. But one of my favorite people that we've uh, had on this show. Back Amazing. again. Here it is, Bobby Cannavale. Pleased to have in person now on the Rich Eisen podcast. He's been on the, the this show before on the phone. Uh, big fans of this man's work. Nominated twice for his role as Jip Frasetti in Boardwalk Empire, which this man crushed. Uh-huh. Laid that show to ruins, uh, nominated for that, and also nominated in the category for comedy for his work in Nurse Jackie. Thank you. Good to see you, Bobby Cannavale, Thank in the you, flesh. Rich. Nice to be here in God's country, Culver City, <laughs> California. <laughs> it is. There is there is something uh, beatific 
about oh, Culver City. Beautiful out here. I thank you very much for coming. Yeah, you're, I know you're you're a New Yorker. You're an East Coaster through and through. So yeah. you being out here in L.A., this is not usual for you would you yeah, say not at all this is the longest i've ever spent in la i've been here for four weeks now how you doing for it? how you how you doing <sighs> i'm doing all right man <laughs> i'm doing all right i'm hanging out with pacino a lot so i can keep it real is know, that so it. yeah well i'm working with him. I'm the, doing this movie out here with him so which movie are you doing right now it's called imagined so i'm spending a lot of time at his rented house um you know he'll only rent the house out here you know he rents a house because he's he's like if I get a place, then I have to means I'm here to stay. So he's been renting the same house mm-hmm. in the flats in Beverly Hills. Like, it, like it's okay for me to say this because everybody in the world knows where Pacino lives because he lives literally on the road. Like, like there's a bus that goes by. You know those tours? Sure. They all stop in front of his house and shoot his and shoot. Oh, him. he sits in the front yard and he waves <laughs> at everybody. So I everybody li- knows where Al lives. That's amazing. And you know yeah. what? And so does that mean that you stumble downstairs? And yeah. you see Al Pacino just rummaging through the fridge in his, in his skivvies and stuff like that? You yeah, see you, this could, sort of you could literally go on one of those double-decker. I, I recommend the double-decker so you can get up top so you can <laughs> see over the fence. <laughs> and you'll probably see Al drinking his 48th cup of coffee on his front porch um, by noon. Yeah. That is so cool. Because yeah. you just did Glen Gary, Glen Ross with him on Broadway, which I yeah. saw, and you were superb Thank in you. that as well. Yeah, yeah. And so now you have did that, and now you're... you're now I'm a, doing this film with him, yeah. So... Yeah, it worked out. I mean, it's a good thing I did that play. That is fantastic. Yeah. Oh, the good. play led to this. The play led. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I had such a good time on that, and I think Al had a good time. And and then he was. Uh, he's been like, he's been trying to get this movie made for a few years. It's really, it's, it's a really great. What movie is it? Film. It's called Imagined. A guy named Dan Fogelman, really wonderful writer director. Uh, he wrote Crazy Stupid Love, and that's a funny movie. Uh, yeah, and uh, and so he's been developing this with Al for a few years, and Al plays this like. Neil Diamond type character, this sort of superstar singer, you know, and um, and he's like tired of singing the same song. You know, he's got like a Sweet Caroline song that he doesn't want to sing anymore. And mm-hmm. so he decides to give it all up. You know, he's like he's like a drug addict and like, you know, he's like he just wants to sing his new songs and nobody wants to hear it. So he tries to go find the son. He never, you know, he had a son on a one, on a one night stand 40 years ago. And that's me. That's you. And um, it's pretty funny. And you sort of hijinks abound and. Chris Plummer's in it, and Annette Benning and Jennifer Garner um, plays my wife, and it's good, man. It's a really good little film. But um, yeah, I had to come out here. I mean, like, really, I, I haven't been out here for this long ever, so I did it really for him. Is it? Are you softened up? Have you softened up just four weeks in Los Angeles? Do you feel a little bit softer? Just you know, yeah. where you, do you, do you, do, you, do you let people in uh, when you're driving? When they're trying it's to the get worst. in before you, do they, do, worst. you would do think they, with do, as do many people that? as are in their cars here that yeah. they'd be better at it, right? Uh, <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> true, true story. I'm driving over they're here today, yeah. and some guy with a big truck and like one of those horse like <laughs> carriages behind, but I don't know what's filled. A horse in, trailer, inside, right? A horse trailer. A horse carriage is like Central Park. Yeah, sorry, not the okay. Madden. A horse trailer. trailer. No, okay. no, no. But right. he's like trying to back in, and he's blocking half of Olympic while he's trying to do this, and we're all trying to go around it. By the way, it's one thirty in the afternoon, mm-hmm. and he's looking at, at us like we're crazy, right? Yeah, because we we're trying to go around, and we're hawking like we have places to go, buddy. Mm-hmm. Why are you blocking all of Olympic, one of the busiest streets? Right. Yeah, that's pretty bad. At, I mean, but then again, day. like, it seems like it's what anybody talks about. I mean, everybody out here, that's all I do is talk about the traffic. Like, <laughs> I told him I was coming here, and he's, my friend was like, when are you going? What time are you leaving? I'm like, what do you, what do you mean? What do you care? I mean, yeah, yeah, have you yeah. seen that skit on tell, SNL? <laughs> the Californians? Where they tell you how to get to where you're going? <laughs> it's the yeah. best. Yeah. <laughs> it takes a Palmetto <laughs> to... It's hilarious. Yeah. But, it, you know, I, I got to tell you, having been out here for 10 years, it really does matter 
when you get to spots right around the 405, you got to be careful. And, you, and I mean, it, you will say no to things at a certain time. That's true. Right? Yeah. I won't go to a meeting in Santa Monica at 1.30. That's trouble. Or 5. Well, 5 is just, it's, it's dead straight dead out. Go anywhere at 5. No chance. No chance. No. Has it rained yet since you've been out here? It has not rained roads. once yet. That's, has it rained once in these four weeks? Uh, boy. That's a whole different story. Look at you. Look huh? at you. Look at you out here <laughs> California so like done this. on Sunday. And, and uh, also, uh, Bobby, as he has mentioned here on this podcast before, a Jet fan, and yeah. also the uh, proud fantasy owner of Just the Tip. Correct. Just the tip is just my the, team. Just the tip is your yeah. team. Did I have to bleep that last time or no? No, you didn't. No, no we left you didn't. That just the okay. tip. We left that one in. Yeah. Just the tip. Can you wonder if you can get that on a license plate? Do <laughs> you think you can? Well, I think. I think. How just, would you shorten it? J u s d a t i p. That's great. That's He's like thought a, about that, this. It's like a that Slavic seven? last name yeah. or something. Just, right? <laughs> just the tip. <laughs> just so you could just drive however you wish and just have a cop over the radio go, "I'm following just a tip." <laughs> I'm just feeling just, well, this guy, just a tip, has no conscience the way he's driving. It'd be, it'd be good. a good name of a horse, you know, and down That's the right. stretch just they come, just good. a tip. I like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, I have received a tip about just a tip that your avatar yeah. has been Hugh Jackman yeah. for three consecutive years. Yeah. Is that a true story? I won it. I won, I won the league. You know, we change it every week. Yeah. And um, we change it every week depending on who we're playing. And I really, I wish I remembered the story as to why I picked that avatar, but all I know is that once I once I picked Jackman as Wolverine, mm-hmm. I didn't lose. I like I won that year. I okay. won the league, so I just you makes know, sense. Superstitious. So you know. three straight, three consecutive years is what I've heard. Is that a true story? Bored, dude. Just, <laughs> You're just, just, just bored. I just haven't changed it. But, uh, I ran out of pictures of like you know, of all the guys. You know, like it's a lot of actors in our group. So like yeah. you you know. And on the interweb, you can find all kinds of pictures, right? But then you run out of stuff. Mm-hmm. So, I, you know, there were no more embarrassing pictures of people, so I just kept Hugh up. Okay. Yeah. But, well, it's, it's, I think you're getting under some people's skin with it, so I would stay with it. <laughs> oh, at this point, if, if they're talking about it, it, just it, keep it. Exactly. Good. At this point, I think <laughs> you'd be letting some people back in. Yeah. Mentally, yeah, yeah. if you switched away from yeah, Hugh Jackman, yeah. and look at how we come full circle, right? Yeah. Hugh Jackman back, you know, Wolverine's As back and hot, and it is now topical. Totally, you're correct. It's that's Tremaine right. again. That's right. If you, that's the way things go, you know, if you stick around, you wait three years, it'll actually work. Yeah. Who would be your if you get the first round, first overall first choice? Who do you take? AP. You're right. not afraid that this is going to be like one year uh, Bro, for him. Think about he's it. Like a, he's the only legitimate number one pick. Who else do you take at number one? You don't take Arian Foster, Calvin. Yeah, I don't know. Last Megatron year, he, first pick. depends on scoring too. I mean, if you're in a, if you're in a PPR, I'm in a PPR league. league, so yeah, you yeah, could take Calvin. Yeah, but AP was incredible last year. I mean, he's young still. Do you think he's going to go for two thousand again? I do. Yeah, I do. I mean, and and they're not and they're going to be throwing even less this year because they lost what's his name, right? Harvin. They yeah. lost Percy Harvin. Well, they got Greg Jennings and now, who's shooting who's his mouth off his mouth about Green Bay and Cordero Patterson too. I don't know. I, I think it's a weird draft. I think like the worst place to be is in the middle. Like five? How many Terrible. teams is it? A 10-team league you're in? 12-team league. 12-team. Yeah, it's tough. Who it's won it tough. last year? Mo Rosen. Mo Rosen. That's <laughs> <laughs> a real person. Is that, that, his real is that a license plate name? Or real name? <laughs> Actually, his real name is Gnome Rosen. <laughs> 
So what was do you he do? born in Alaska? I don't know. What do you do? Wait. He's Canadian. You know. Oh yeah. By the way, I love the way you said it. Like that's an excuse. Yeah. Can, the way you said. Yeah. Noam Canadian. Yeah. Noam changed his name to Mo, and now for some reason he gets pissed when you call him Noam. <laughs> and I'm like, really, bro? I mean, Mo is that much better? And then he gets pissed when I say that, so I don't talk to him anymore. <laughs> Oh, see, so everybody's gunning for Gnome now. Yeah. He's got a Gnome, Gnome as a big target. Let's call him Gnome. Let's do it. <laughs> he hey, listen. It. He does. So does he? he Fantastic. Yeah, his god I, I like name. It. Yeah, I, I've, I don't recall the last time I had a first overall pick in a fantasy draft. Ooh. I always get stuck in the middle or at 10. And then I go 10, 11. I don't mind that. Why? Because you, cause you don't, you sit around yeah, waiting. You back to back. You're you back to back, back. And then, and then you, don't, you basically get two of the first 11 30, pick, uh, right? They I say mean, the it's... middle is the best place to be because then you can be a spoiler. You can see like what's trending. Mm-hmm. And they say the middle is the best. But I don't know. This is such a weak draft. But then again, after the first round, it doesn't matter. It's just like, it's just if you're in the middle of the, if you're in the middle, anywhere after I think three in this draft, your first round pick just could be a dud. You yeah, know? it could be anybody. It could be anybody. Right. So, so if I'm going to pick late, if I'm picking like eight, nine, mm. I might just go like you know, you know, Drew Brees. Who's the first jet you would take? <laughs> Bro, I don't think there's a jet to take this year. <laughs> right? Oh, there's Chris Ivory. If Bilal. You think, oh. <laughs> I don't Bilal. think Chris Ivory. I don't think Bilal. 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 Is that the brother of Gnome? What is up with Bilal? What it, <laughs> I don't think Chris Ivory. Chris Ivory has he been? Has no, he played not. a full season? No, he's not. But he runs with a fury when he does get the ball. He's he can. It's we'll see if he can run two hundred times a year. I don't know, but Bilal, you never know. You know, like I, I might take a chance late, late, late. Like on, you just never know. I can't stand him, but mm. Santonio, you know, the A Rod of the Jets, you know. But like, you never know. Like he might, he might, he might. Pull are you it saying? Together. He, are you saying he visited a clinic in Miami? Is that what you're saying? He visited one in he's Venice a, a few times. He's such That's... an awesome team player. <laughs> um, like much like A Rod, you know what A Rod? It's it, with A Rod right now. We'll talk about this too because I'm I'd like you a diehard Yankee fan, diehard. Get ready for the bleeps. Oh gosh! Okay, this whole thing has a the hallmark of Alex Rodriguez, and that's the two the, the two basic things that I've learned about Alex Rodriguez. One, A Rod will f- up, and then A Rod will f- up worse. Yeah. Totally. A and B. And he has done that from every single step this entire time. And he is the king of, and, and I say this fully knowing what he did in 09. He won us the championship. And people are already saying there should be an asterisk next <laughs> to the 09 yep. World Series. Phillies. Whatever. Come on. But long story short, long story short, he is the king of the solo shot in the eighth down six. Oh. And coming back right now oh. with the Yankees clearly not. He's going to hit team. so many home totally. runs. He's going to mash. Totally. He's, He's like just get ready. It's the season-long version of the solo Absolutely. shot. Absolutely. Get ready. Inning. It's going right. to be amazing. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like Rick like Fox. Rick Remember Fox. Rick Fox would go off for like six three-pointers in a row with the Lakers up by 40. <laughs> <laughs> I love Rick. I shouldn't say that. I adore him. He's the nicest guy in the world. <laughs> he is a nice guy. Yeah, right? super, super awesome. But you know what I mean? So, so But Santonio San has... I, he may not even play this year. He's already saying right now, what was this line? He says, you got to listen to what the foot says. Yeah, and I retweeted that and got a ton of Rex Ryan jokes back at me. <laughs> he had the Liz Frank also. Did he have that last he year? He did. He did. That like swept the NFL. Last he did. Year. And I think I think Justin Bieber visited her house in uh, <laughs> in in Holland, right? And Frank. Yeah. Jokes. Well, how oh, about how about um, 
how about that receiving core? Like, what are we doing? What What is going to happen? I mean, it's a bunch. I mean, it's Santonio. Stephen Hill. Stephen Hill. Who's the other guy? Um, they got rid of Curly, right? They no, he's there. Curly. He's, no, there. Curly's there. he's there. Curly's still there. So yeah, Curly. He better be yeah. there. Curly he better be there. I mean, and I don't no, know. no tight end. Who is the tight end? Usually there's a Jets tight end who has a sneaky good season. Like I Keller don't understand how Keller was gone. I don't understand how he's Keller disappeared now. last year. Miami, and he's like considered one of the top tight ends to take. They got, uh, I think so, too. Their yeah. tight end situation is they did get Kellen Winslow. Oh, oh dude. They got Braylon and Kellen, which was great when you were a Cleveland <laughs> Brown in 2006. Right. And I love Braylon. I, by the way, Braylon Edwards has a shot here. He has a shot. He's got to get the ball. I don't know who's going to throw it to him. I mean, I know. I know. Think you, you hope that Sanchez, like, you know, Sanchez will now try, like, just do everything he can to try to. What was your reaction the first time you saw he, he wore those uh, headbands? Headbands? Yeah. What, were, what would you think, Bobby? The I headbands? Thought, I, th- I, I, I don't like them. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't like them. Yeah. Like yeah. Yeah. That's your quarterback. That's our quarterback. Yeah. That's, that's California, true. though. That is right? California. That's California. That is. That is. That's the guy who doesn't show up to Santa Monica at 4.30 in the afternoon when asked. Southern California quarterbacks, huh? What's up? That's a good question. But, hey, listen, you're right. If, if Sanchez somehow, someway can, can pull it together, and we've got week two Thursday night football in Boston in uh, Foxborough, Jets at Patriots. It's going to be ugly, Week boys. two. Week one is Revis at home. And yeah, then week right. two, four days later, is in New England. Yeah. But, you know, like, Sanchez does have a way. I mean, like, in the past, he's done it where, like, you know, unexpectedly, you know, they come up big. He'll come up big in, true. A, big, in a big game. That is true. And, I mean, if there's ever a time to do it, now is the time, obviously. I mean, the guy's, like, playing for his and Rex's job, No right? doubt about it. No so then what happens, though, it. if he has a good year, I don't we gotta, know. <laughs> what well, do they, we do? I don't know. Then I don't do know, do? Bobby. That's a great question because you've got you've to decide on the coach, too. And then there's a general manager who knows what Geno Smith is is going to do, and the GM has to evaluate this guy because if Geno's not a guy to go moving forward with, there's a bunch of guys coming out in next year's draft that people think were, would put certainly this year's class to shame. Yeah, right. You got to do all that. You got to make all these decisions. You got 16 games to make these decisions. Oh, it's so bad. It's really going to be bad. It's going to be bad. You think so? I think it could be really bad. Could, could be, be number like, one pick bad. No, tidy bad. Co tidy bad. Yeah. Oh, don't even get me started. By the way, that might you might have named one of my fantasy teams. Co tidy bad. Co tidy bad. <laughs> <laughs> it's like one of those commercials, like zestfully clean. Yeah. You know, it's co tidy bad. It's really. <laughs> you're good. not really bad unless you're co tidy bad. What? Happened? Where's Rich Co tight? Oh, is gosh. He, is he, he hasn't touched the NFL since he, he went from the Eagles to you guys? I don't know. To William out Patterson. Of, out of coaching college. after that. Maybe he was driving that horse trailer on Olympic today. <laughs> I wouldn't doubt it. Because I mean, that it, was a co-tidy oh bad God, it situation. It was a co-tidy <laughs> See, driving <we're> using situation. It. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's portable, that phrase. I like it. Co-tidy bad. Yep. Out, hey, man, out by the way, not to change subject. Please but, do. But we were just talking about the Yankees. Yes. What the hell, man? What do you think? Do you think we can, do you think we can come back this year? No. No, huh? No. No, and the reason why is CC is spitting the bit all of a sudden. I have no idea. He pitched okay the other night. Hey, thin CC is not as good as plump CC. <laughs> I know. Should, and you know, I, we should take him to if, if he's in Culver to Tito's Tacos right now, and let him just. Well, that sounds fatten delicious. Up. I don't think he looks. Do you think he looks thin? Definitely. <laughs> that picture the other day, that that footage of um, him coming out of the. Um, in Chicago, coming out of the hotel, you know, and walking to the uh, yeah to the bus, when and A-Rod, A-Rod went, went right to his caddy. What did I say? Rule number Bro, two. How about that? Rule number two. He will f- it up worse. You think this is the same as he when people used to say 
Reggie Jackson. I hate him. Is it the same thing? No, because Reggie wasn't lying about juicing. Reggie was still hitting home runs and producing. Reggie, have you ever have you ever met Reggie Jackson? Uh, have you ever come across him at any no. point? No. You know what I did one time? I'm really bad with athletes. I'm terrible. I just become a nerd. I was on my Vespa, bad enough. <laughs> you know, in the, judging the headband. In, in the city. Judging, <laughs> judging the headband. Judging the headband on Wearing Vespa. my headband. Yeah. Uh, on, on the Vespa, but I'm not the quarterback of the Jets. It's true. So I'm on my Vespa, green Vespa, <laughs> riding the ve- mint green Vespa, riding, and I pass, and I'm at a red light, and I see Reggie on the corner of like uh, at the Reg- St. Regis yeah. and I lose my mind I just lose it I just start screaming Reggie! When, Reggie! when was this? It's like two years ago <laughs> Dude, he, So you're an adult He was not cool He was like he gave me like a yeah Do you think, hello. It, was the, do you think it was the Vespa? Could it probably been, was the best. Could have been the best. Not the screaming guy. No, no, because he's seen the screaming guy before. Yeah, that's he what may I thought. never have seen the screaming guy on a Vespa. Yeah, that's true. That's the mix. He wasn't here. that cool. He wasn't that cool. <laughs> but I. But I mean. But Reggie. Yeah, you're right. I mean. Yeah, yeah. Reggie produced, and Reggie was kind of legit. Was always sort of Reggie. The right? reason why I bring it up is he's small. He's not a tall man at all. Five ten, if that. Yeah, but Reggie if was that. Jack, he was Jack, and and the way he would swing too, he he would corkscrew himself in the ground. He had the greatest, most oh. grandiose swings and misses I loved of all time. Yeah, there would be those shots of him. He'd be turned right. completely yeah. around with his knee about an inch off right. the ground, like a cartoon. Yeah, yeah like a cartoon. Yep. But I would, you know, I'm like that. I'm that way with Mattingly. Mattingly is my all-time favorite baseball player. I've got a story for you. Then oh. okay, this is my favorite all-time Don Mattingly story. Have I told this on the podcast before? It Here we go. Matter. I may have. Here I we go. So. I'm a I'm a freshman at the University of Michigan, 1986, and this is the Donnie baseball era where he's wearing the mullet, yeah. and Steinbrenner is all over him for the mullet and the way he's got the his stash, facial yeah. hair, all of that stuff. And he's going into his walk year, and I think George released a statement to like Saturday afternoon baseball that Vince Scully read on NBC about Mattingly, and it's getting ugly and it's terrible. And I feel that when he pulls into Detroit that next week, I am going to personally take this situation out of the fire and I'm going to go down to Tiger Stadium and be the first one in the stadium and tell him, Donnie, what you mean to guys like me from Staten Island, New York and Yankee fans everywhere who are waiting for these championships again. You are the bridge from the great years of the late 70s, early 80s, even though you didn't play in them, to now. You stand for those guys and you cannot listen to what George Steinbrenner has to say. You have got to stay. You got to stay for people like us who appreciate you. Thought about all this, got and rented a car. Wasn't a Vespa. <laughs> rented a car. Yeah. Drove from Ann Arbor to Detroit. Sure enough, got to Tiger Stadium. Gates locked, unlocked gates. First in, belly up to the Yankee dugout. I'm there. I'm ready. First guy to the dugout is Don Mattingly. He goes, I go to him, Wee! Dirty baseball! <laughs> <laughs> His eyes get his biggest saucers. He pirouettes and goes right back into oh, the clubhouse. So good. I blew it. Uh, have you, know, you, have you told with Don athletes? that? Blew have you told it. him that story? Years later, I go to, uh, I'm on SportsCenter, and I go to the All-Star Game in Seattle, and I'm covering for ESPN one of the celebrity softball teams, and I'm the, one of the sideline reporters, and the captain of the team, manager of the team, is Don Mattingly. <laughs> Go up to him in the dug and in the clubhouse. I walk up to him and I'm like, Don, I just want to introduce myself to you. And he goes, Love your work on Sports Center. And I was oh. like, Oh my God. Exactly. I had that look. I melted. And I'm like, Don, that means so much to me. And I just want to let you know, you know, um, what you mean to me and what you mean to Yankee fans. He says, thank you, thank you. We had a nice conversation for a minute. And he goes, So nice to meet you. And I'm like, 
we have met before. <laughs> <laughs> Tell him the whole story again. And at the end of the story, like a fan, I go, do you remember? And he goes, nope. Nope. <laughs> I felt this big again. Yeah. I'm the, I am, Bobby, oh. I am the same way. Man, I get crazy. I get so stupid. I've told you my Derek Jeter story. I think no. I told you last time no. I was on. No. Oh, man. It's like 19, um, 1990. Let's see, was my son born? Yeah. So it's like 1995, six. It's the first year of Third Watch. It's a TV show I was on. It was sure. a, like, like two weeks before that first day on Third Watch, I was working in a bar. So it was the first thing I ever did, you know? And it's on NBC, and NBC has the, um, has the World Series, and they fly me down to Yankees, Atlanta, uh, uh, down to Atlanta for the World Series, sitting right next to the Yankee dugout behind the on deck circle. It's me. Um, Michael Beach, Eddie Cibrian from the show. Sure. And then in the row is 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 Jesse ja- Reverend Jesse Jackson, Spike Lee, George Steinbrenner. And I am I'm not like a professional yet. I haven't been on television before and I've never done this. And these guys were on, so they were all cool. I'm the only one in a jer- Yankee jersey <laughs> and a Yankee hat. These guys are camera ready in whatever designer dressed them. And I'm in full regalia and I spend the entire the entire game screaming my head off bro screaming my head off cameras on oh, it's Costa's going you know it's the stars of the new show third watch and I'm freaking out like and every time Jeter comes up I'm screaming screaming I'm like as close as I am to you now I'm right behind him and, yeah you know behind the uh, on deck circle screaming 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 Nothing, nothing, nothing. He doesn't even look at me. Cool as hell. These guys are laughing at me, and I hear Steinbrenner going, he's ignoring him. And I, like, like I was a piece of shit. I didn't care less. Screaming, screaming, finally last that bat, eighth inning. Jeter yeah. comes up. I'm, I'm hoarse, man. I'm just, Derek, just turn around, man. Just turn around. Finally, he like dumb. He does the thing with the weight. He's about to go up. He turns around. He looks at me. He goes, bro, I hear you. <laughs> It was so good. I was, and then of course I turned around. Yeah, still haven't met him though since then. But I would totally ask him if he remembered. Yeah, I'm yeah. the bro. I can hear you guy. <laughs> I'm that guy. Uh, Are you that way about a jet? Is there a jet that uh, even actually, from, uh, the, uh, from back in the day would it be Namath? Yeah, Namath. I met Namath a couple years ago. I went down before the game and took great pictures with him, and and I was I was pretty starstruck and pretty quiet, and he knew who I was, and it was cool, and he was. Um, he looks so awesome, he man. Does. He looks so great. I he love dresses that guy. great. He's got the hat and the gla- the tinted glasses. He's just He's very, very Joe cool. freaking Namath. And yeah. and he, he comes on our, our Hall of Fame show every year when he goes back to the Hall of Fame. And he was on this year, too. And as he's talking, the way he talks, and, you know, I love, I just love coming back here to the <laughs> pro football he's got Hall a of Fame. I tell you, yeah. nobody sounds like Joe Namath. What I love yeah. about coming back to the Hall of Fame is, you know, these guys, these cats can really play football. <laughs> hey, like, the way he's talking, so he starts talking that way, and Dion, who's next to me, starts laughing. And Dion goes, man, you are so cool. <laughs> I mean, and it's true. He's in his 60s. He's, he is the man. And if Dion says you're cool, you're cool. That is, you have been knighted. <laughs> Right. Okay, and so last year we had him on in the midst of the whole Jets Tebow insanity that yeah. was happening, and Marshall Falk asked him, "What if you were in the huddle as the quarterback of the New York Jets?" And this is back when everybody thought that the Jets were going to use Tebow at all, let alone you know in a, in a role that would be interchangeable with Sanchez during a drive or during a game. He said to Sam- Namath, "What if you were running a huddle and given a play call and?" Somebody like Tebow tapped you on the butt and said, you're out, I'm in. What would you do then? And he paused and he goes, well, that wouldn't happen at all. 
<laughs> and I'm like, yes, I love this man. I want to hug Here's that the thing, guy like, every time I see like, him. I know that like, this job is hard, obviously. You know, these guys, you know, they have a hard job. But, okay, so whose job, who's, whose decision was it to bring Sperano in? Okay, so that's Tannenbaum and Rex, right? Probably. And Rex. Yes. So they bring him in. You don't bring in a guy like that as a decoy for the whole year, right? As like a bluff. We're bringing this guy in to make you think we're going to run some wildcat. Then we're going to go so far as to pay Tebow to bring him in, but we're really not going to use him. That doesn't make any sense, right? We don't do that. That's we, we the have, ultimate bluff that nobody buys, right? We I mean, have got. We have yet to get the full CSI type DNA deconstruction of what in the hell just happened. What and just we, happened? We and how did haven't gotten Rex the full not become one. responsible? How does Rex not have some kind of responsibility? Here's in what that. I think happened. Here's what I, from what I've heard and what I think happened, is the Jets. Um, went after Peyton Manning because that's where it all started. They went after Peyton, and Peyton, I think, said us along something along the lines of, "Yeah, right, yeah, okay." Right. And and then that got out, and they thought that Sanchez needed a little attaboy, a little pat on the back, so they extended his contract. Okay, which is why he's still on the team right now. Because if they didn't do that, they could have cut him. They extended his contract and made this year guaranteed. He's uncuttable and untradeable. For like fourteen and a half million or something. Uh, well, I, I don't know how much. Just this year. Something around yeah. that. Just this year. So that happened, and then Tebow becomes available, and I think the owner said, "We got to go get him." PSLs Be- and jerseys. I think he, <laughs> they said, "We got to go get him." And Rex saw him run through the Jets on Thursday Night Football on our network with three minutes to go. I mean, the guy, the guy looked like he was throwing with his left foot as opposed to his left arm. The worst. Okay, that whole day, I mean, he was airmailing stuff. He looked terrible. And then with four minutes to go, I've never seen. It's the most tangible, intangible I've ever seen, Bobby, in my entire life. It changed, and he ran through the Jets. Like it, they, they were, he was a hot butter through, through hot knife through butter. And I think he remembered that. And he's like, okay, I'm on board. Let's go get him because we need to light a fire under Sanchez anyway. And then he showed up and he practiced. And they're like, oh, God, we can't put him in a game. And that's what happened. And the whole time they were like, okay, he's a fugazi. Let's use him as a decoy. They had no plan for him. Yeah, but how come they Denver never managed did? to figure out how to put him in a game? Because it got so desperate for them that Orton was – you know, doing, I should, well, whatever, it doesn't matter, we're bleeping up left and right, she, he was shit, and then uh, Brady Quinn was an a, a right. absolute non-entity for them, and they just thought, okay, we got to go to Tebow, and he went down, and that was his first game in Florida, in Miami, Yeah, right. and the magic happened there, and then one moment after another, after another happened, and that's when Elway was sitting there going, this is incredible, we're winning games, but I know as a Hall of Fame quarterback, this is not sustainable. This is not. We, I see the way he practices during the week. I can't have him out there and practice and tell these other guys that their habits need to be better. This is not sustainable by having that guy out there. And Peyton Manning's availability and return to the game allowed him to pull off a bloodless coup of T-ball mania that no other player would have allowed him to pull off. Yeah, really. And the Jets were the ones who raised their hand and said, we'll take him. And they paid the $5 million in the contract. And that's and the question is now, what do the Patriots do with him? What are the Patriots going to do with him? And you as a Jet fan know. They're going to do something with him. You Whatever they, they do are. with him is going to be a smash success. It totally is. <laughs> totally is. You know that. Totally as is. As a Jet fan, you, you will swear down to your marrow that it's going to be a huge smash. Yep, yep. yep. What are they going to do with him? Unless he insists playing quarterback, then I don't even think he's going to stay on the team. I don't know how he makes the team as a quarterback. But maybe they'll use him as something else. I have no idea.
Maybe it'll be on just that would be fitting if he's a just a tip. If he's a just a tip, that Jim that Tim Tebow is a member of just a tip. That would be a a fitting. You think he makes it? You think he makes it to the uh, to the first game? I think he makes it if he if he does something else, accepts another role, has to, because the Patriots have Brady, and there's no. They would be doing the free football world a favor if they take Brady off for one single snap. And then they've got Ryan Mallett, who's known the system for three years. Tebow can't grasp the system no or be as mechanically sound in the system as, as Mallett. But do they make him like um, – do they kind of make him like, like a Danny Woodhead? That's, that's the name I've been mentioning you know, on And they this put show. him in the backfield and – He'd be a great Danny Hopefully. Woodhead, Hopefully. man. Hopefully. Question, I don't know if he can catch. Who knows if he can catch? But he can run. He can he's run, big. Though. He was a stud athlete in high school. I mean, I think. The, he's 6'4", 250, and he runs a, fast. He's a stud athlete. I mean, that guy he can is. run the ball. I mean. He's I mean, huge. He looks like a linebacker. Yeah. I'm telling you. That would be huge. And, it, you know, all of us in the media. Would go nuts. It's catnip for us. We would go ballistic. Yeah, yeah. We got to keep him in the NFL, right, just so we could keep talking about him. Uh, yes. He'll, Certainly for this business. He'll Although, be in the media. I think so many people not, are, oh, talking Tebow again. And yet, anytime you do. Boom. It's through the roof. The metrics support that people can't stop talking about But it's the non-football world that's interesting. How do you think he'd do up in Canada? You think he'd do all right up no, there? I think so, yeah. He'd probably do okay up there. Yeah, this is wider space. There's a 55-yard line. I think it would work. Why not? Why not? Um, bef- before we wrap things up, i got to talk Boardwalk Empire with you here. Yeah. Where did you go <laughs> mentally? <laughs> <laughs> Where did you go mentally? I, man, I, you know, that's a good question. I just, I just, it was written so well. My very first day on that job, I, I beat the living crap out of that old man. Yeah. It was like Jesus. February. It was With a, a tire axle, degrees. right? Or something like that. Yeah, that's the tire first iron. scene that I ever shot was that one. And I just, um, I just, the, re- the writing was so good. I just kind of, I, you know, okay. Somebody told me, I had the greatest advice. I worked with Alan Arkin about, 15 years ago on something, and we got into a conversation. I was working with him and Sidney Lumet, so two great Jeez. great guys, right? And we got into a conversation about bad guys, and I, about bad guys in movies. And I said to Alan, I said, hey, man, wait until dark. That's the one. You're, you're, you're psycho in that movie. You're so great in that movie. I said, and I was young, and I was like, what do you, what do you, what do you try to, when, with a character like that? What do you, how do you try to empathize with a character like that? He went, well, what do you mean? <laughs> and I said, well, how do you, uh, like, where do you try to relate? And he goes, well, what do you mean? I don't relate anything with him. And I said, well, what do you mean? Don't you have to kind of empathize somehow so that you can make the character relatable? He goes, no, man. Sometimes guys just like to be bad. <laughs> and I, it was the simplest thing in the world. And Pim and Sydney were just laughing at me. They were like, you know, you don't have to find anything. You know, what do you mean? Like, they were making fun of me. They were like, like he should have a kitten or he should like animals or something. <laughs> like, what do you want? What do you want? Like, he should love his mother. And I'm like, well, yeah, something, right, to make him sort of relatable. He said, no, you know, sometimes guys just want to be bad, and they just like being bad. And it's a very simple thing, but I just, I sort of, I went with that. You know, they didn't give me much backstory except for this thing, this very good thing about him being from this little town called Sperlinga in in, um, in Sicily. And, you know, so I kind of learned a bit about that. And so Sperlinga, which Rossetti talks about a little bit in a scene in the show, is this sort of cave town where the people live in caves there to mm-hmm. this day. Um, and so they're sort of a small people. And he's like, you know, I like the idea, Terry Winter said to me, I like the idea of you being such a big guy and being from this from this cave town where, you know, you kind of outgrew, <laughs> you, you kind of outgrew it both literally and figuratively. Sure. Um, and so, like, the idea of this guy sort of being too big for everybody else around him sort of gave me license to make his personality big and also, o- also feeling like 
like um like uh like he just had to fight everybody everybody was against him so this idea of him taking everything personally i kind of like that you know that that sort of came from being from this place where you know he was just so different um and then you know everybody knows people that take things you know the wrong way i don't know have you ever had that like have you ever like said something that you didn't mean to be funny and then people laugh of course the worst feeling in the world sure. you know and you want to go I, w- I wasn't trying to be funny mm-hmm. and that's what this guy is like all the time like right. nobody like the gets from it. goodfellas you know like how am i funny totally. am i clown you know and 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 you know you're hoping that he is joking and then he's not and then you he acts like he's joking but he's not and, yeah. and this guy just this guy, this guy just you know com- this guy just he's got no way back you know once he thinks that he's being made fun of there's just no way back for him and then on top of that he's you know he's in the bad guy business so if you're in the bad guy business, you might as well be as bad as you can be. And um, and that's, you know, Terry, Terry and, you know, Smarty Scorsese told me that at the very beginning. He said, you know, this guy can't be too bad. You know, you could just make him as, as, as just as bad as you want. So how hands-on is Scorsese on Boardwalk Empire? You know, I, know I didn't talk EP, to him much but... just in the very beginning. In the very, very beginning before I shot anything, I had a nice talk with him about it. What's that like? It was awesome, you know. He came. He came to the first read through of the uh, first script. So they do these read throughs, and it's the only time you get to really see the script. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you just get your scenes. So you got to come to the read through to see what's happening. And the very first one, Marty comes to, and it was nerve wracking because I knew some people on the show. I knew Steve socially, and I knew Mike Shannon and Michael Williams, but I didn't know everybody else. And they've got all these little name tags, you know, around the table, and they had me sitting next to Marty, and I was like, "Holy <laughs> shit!" <laughs> met him before and i have the very first scene in the show and i'm the new guy and the very yeah. first scene in the show is the one where i kill the old man you know in the street and uh and i sit there and i'm like oh, and marty's not there he's the last one to show up and he sits down and he goes oh hey hey oh, very excited very excited very excited for you and i sit down and and there the stage guy reading the stage directions is reading it and and um and he gets to the part with the three-in-one oil you know and he says rosetti you know rosetti looks at the guy like he's you know, like he's got two heads. And he, this one, Marty starts giggling, like giggling to himself. And I read the first line, you know, you know what do you mean? Whatever. And he starts laughing more and more. And the more violent it's getting, the more he's losing his That's mind. And then, he, and then I, he'll feel his hand on my knee, hitting my knee, hitting my knee. Like he can't control himself. And it's Marty. And he just keeps hitting me. The more violent it's getting, just the more hysterical he's getting. So it's kind of interesting. It's funny because... But like, for instance, the taxi driver scene, you talking to me, there is something funny about that, right? I mean, where where people are even using that line irreverently since then, they're just, yeah. anytime I've seen a Scorsese movie and there are violent scenes and the lines that they say, yeah. there are times where me and my buddies, we do find ourselves laughing a little bit Wasn't at that it. funny? I don't, don't you think we're also, or, like, we're also a generation, too, that like, you know, we're much more aware of like what insecurity is. We're much more, we have a better language as to like when, why people are f***ed up, right? So mm-hmm. now we have like, we have more of an allowance than we used to have, mm-hmm. you know, like in the, in the old days. I'm sure that when Taxi Driver came out, it was legitimately scary. Frightening. I think now we <laughs> sure. look back on it and we're like, oh, you know, he's got issues. <laughs> That's we're right. like, we're, we never said that in right. the 70s, I don't think, sure. you know? Right. And so I think now there's something kind of funny about seeing somebody's insecurities on display um, that we can sort of step back and laugh at it and 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 empathize with it in a way i think i think were you able to do that after shooting some of these scenes that you shot as jip rossetti i mean there were some scenes that you shot i mean that were off the charts with sadism and all that craziness were you able to step back later that night 
and no, just I say what trouble. in the world I, did I, I did do I did have today? trouble. I had a hard time. Like, like I, I'm not an insomniac person, but I had trouble on this one. Like, I had, to, I had some trouble sleeping when we were shooting. Um, when we shoot, shot that, like, massacre scene, you know, where I'm where I'm doing that, uh, that uh, what do you call it? The, the autoerotic asphyxiation. Yeah. You're right on it. <laughs> that's odd. Strange. <laughs> <laughs> that's co-tidy bad. Yeah, that's yeah. co-tidy. Um, so I had some trouble. I had, I had just a little bit of trouble sleeping on that, on that um, just because I had never done anything like this before. And so, um, and so it was just very bloody and very sort of gory for a few days. Um, but no, not for the, for the most part. It was all right. Um, I just had a blast, man, and we would laugh because the dialogue was so funny. You know, the dialogue leading up to him losing it is pretty funny. It is, you know. There's well, a bone fortuna, you know. That I mean, great. all of that about, stuff. One of my favorites is like I think it's the last episode, the next to last episode when he gets together finally with Jillian with um, um, with Jillian Darmody, um, and he's you know, and you know they're about to get it on, mm-hmm. and uh, Gretchen Maul's character, and he says, um, he says, "You're a piece of, shit. you're a piece of garbage." And he goes, um, and when I'm done with you, there's not going to be anything left but a hunk of hair in the bed. <laughs> and the hunk of hair just cracked us up. I don't know why. It's so terrible. It's so awful. But we just can't help but laugh, yeah. you know? And then you yeah, got to sort of take five. And um, But, you know, it's tough. It's weird. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, this is the only thing I've ever wanted to do. And I've always been just aware. I can go, I can go sit in a theater and get lost and and feel like I'm I'm in it when it's really really good. But there's a part of me also that like just knows that even in the most serious scenes, like right around the corner, there's you know there's a big fat dude standing there with a boom mic, you know, mm. <laughs> yeah, right. you know, and like you know a whole crew of people kind of cracking up. Um, um, so not to take anything away from the seriousness of what we do, but you know, at the end of the day, we're flipping burgers. Where, where well, do you guys yeah, shoot that? Is it shot in New York and on sound stages? It's all in New York. In fact, location? all the Rossetti, most of the Rossetti stuff, you know, the um, the stuff in the town is in Staten Island, is in your. Is old that right? Place. No kidding. Yeah, Which there's, one? A, there's an old, old part of Staten Island. It's amazing. It's like a little theme park that's restored. That's just kept there. It's an original Richmond town. Is it ri- well Richmond old town? Richmond. Is, old old Richmond. Richmond. Well, Richmond town has a lot of stuff from the Revolutionary War. So maybe that's that. That's a, there's a whole street. There's a couple of streets yeah. with like an old general store, an old yeah. post office. Oh, wow. That's yeah, yeah. the street we shot on. No kidding. Yeah. So we shot a lot there, and then the stages are in Brooklyn in the in the Navy Yards. Wow. Yeah. Well, you're fantastic at it, man. And Thanks, I, I, I just saw Blue Jasmine with my wife. You're fantastic Thank in that you. too. Woody Allen is your yeah. director. Did you ever work with him before? Was that your first time? I never or? worked on him, I, with him before. I, you know, I worked on that while I was doing Rossetti. Mm-hmm. I was shooting Boardwalk, and then I managed to. They worked it out, man. They gave me two weeks off. That's why my hair is so ridiculous yeah. in that movie because <laughs> it's my Rossetti hair. They wouldn't let me cut it. So, so they gave me two weeks. I, sh- I, 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 I got on a plane, flew to San Francisco, and I shot 13 out of 14 days with Woody. And does he give direction? What does he do? Does he say anything? What does he say? Not much, you know. He'll, not much, man. You know, he'll just tell you to do it better or he'll say, you know, I didn't like that take. And I'll say, well, what do you want? And he'll just say, just do it better. That's it. That's it. So not really much direction. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> yeah. That's fantastic. Well, that's yeah. in, I mean, you're but, great but, in that. And- but, he's, but, he, but, but it is a big accomplishment to like make him laugh. I remember I would like kind of out of the corner of my eye take a look at him you know, and see if I crack, you know, if he's laughing. And if he did, then sure. you know, he's not the kind of guy to just tell you to tell you, you did a good job. He's just, that's not his job, and he's not – and that's, that's totally – I'm cool with that. He's just sort of allergic to needy people. You know what I mean? Like, if you're needy and you need him to tell you you're good, you shouldn't work with him because he's not going to do it, you know? So but, he, but he will talk about, you know, basketball 
or well, food. Well, he's a Nick fan. I know he's a huge Nick fan. Or magic. He loves magic. Magic. You know, like, I think, like, one of the best, like, one of the things, if you ever get to work with Woody Allen, is just stay close to him. Because that's where you see all the fun stuff. Like, he just doesn't, like, he's not very, he doesn't talk a lot. But he does funny things. Mm-hmm. So, like, I would just always make sure my chair was close to him so I can just kind of watch him. Why wouldn't you? And so, like, like he'd always be, like, on his iPhone, right? And he'd be, like, looking at something. And finally, one day, I was like, what are you looking at? And he sort of showed it to me, and he's watching magic tricks on YouTube. <laughs> just, to, just to pass the time? He loves magic. Wow. So then he would, like, he'll have a coin sometimes in his hand. I'll be like, what are you doing? I was kind of annoying like that. I'd just be like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Well, I, would I got into this thing where I would smack him on the arm. Like, I did it by accident one time. Like, I smacked him in the shoulder. I'd mm-hmm. ask him something. I was like, hey, Woody. And he just kind of looked at his shoulder. He couldn't believe like, what I hit him. Like, what was that? <laughs> and then it just became like a thing. I was like, fuck to go for it and just do it every time I need to ask him something. So I just kept doing it. So I went, what are you doing? And he went, I'm, I'm making the coin disappear. He's really good, sleight of hand. So mm-hmm. he makes, he plays with these coins and he makes them disappear. So just little things like that. And he wrote Bananas. I mean, which is, Come on. His, early, his early years are incredible and then he just morphed into Annie Hall, Hannah and her sisters. I mean, being a New Yorker, you have to like Crooks. Woody Allen. You have to follow his career, and I'm a huge well, you movie fan every of his. year. He's 75 years it's old. It's incredible. Every year he makes a movie. He's still churning them out. Yeah, and you know, he's like, it's kind of amazing. You know, when you think he's been in this business since he's like 15 years old. Did you see that American Masters doc? Yes, it's the best. Yes. Incredible. How about he's sending in those jokes in high school? Yeah, and he's getting As paid. Alan Konigsberg. Yeah, and he's getting paid. Right. So he's lit- legit, and then he graduates high school and he gets a job on a show of shows. Well, the the writing staff on that show, right, so was Caesar, Caesar, Larry Galbar, Mel, Mel Brooks. Brooks. Yeah, uh, so, so it's the only thing he's ever done. So I think to him, there is no other thing. You know, that's just what he does. That's why I love that he doesn't go to anything. You know, he just makes the movie and then he moves on. Then he moves on. He doesn't show up at the premiere. He doesn't do any press for it. He's just like, this is it. That's the way it should be, man. We should just be able to do these things and just put them out and. And and now you're in Lovelace, just to I guess bring things current. Lovelace yeah, yeah. is in theaters right now. You and Hank, yeah, we always on this show yeah, a couple yeah. weeks ago. Is area, yeah. You've got some scenes together. Hank was talking about some classic scenes yeah. where you. Oh, Hank's great. Where you play a mafioso, the yeah, one I you, play the guy who you're the money behind. Uh, I'm the big throat, money. Right? They invested like thirty thousand dollars in the movie, and they ended up making six hundred million dollars. If that's not the greatest investment ever in the history of anything, <laughs> yes. I mean, wow. Right? Yeah, I would think so. Did you ever see Deep Throat? You guys ever see it? No. I never saw it. No. Dude, it's only an hour long. Just check it out. <laughs> when? Bring it home tonight. Honey. By the way, my wife loves you, so if there's anyone that can sneak that one past the goalie, it would be, hey, uh, honey. Hey, I got to, I got, uh, Bobby told me we had to watch this tonight. Do <laughs> yeah, I tell her? Yeah, do exactly. I tell her? No, absolutely do I, not. Do I ever give her a heads up? No, I got, a tip on a, I got a tip on a movie. I got just the tip on a movie. Yeah, just the t- and I, we're hey, going to no. sit down and watch it tonight. I'm telling you, it's an hour long. You will die laughing. Is you that won't right? believe how funny it is. It's so funny. It's ridiculous. It's so bad. It's right. such a bad movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's so bad. But this movie that these guys made is a very. It's very good. I th- think it's a very good movie, and she's very good in it. Amanda Seyfried. Yeah. Um, God, I have a boardwalk question. A little spoiler alert. Did you know that Jip was going to get it at the end? And if so, what was your reaction? I did know when they first when when they first called me in. Terry told me this. So this guy's going to go the whole year. I'm gonna I'm gonna have you in every episode. And I'm gonna kill you at the end. And I was like, great, no problem. And then as so I always knew that yes, but then as we got closer to the end, um, yeah, a weird thing happened where you know he would like I'd see him and he'd say I don't know what the hell I'm gonna do with you now because you're too damn good man. He liked he really liked the he really liked the character and people were responding a lot to you know people were people like at HBO I guess were responding yeah. saying like we really like this guy he's yeah. really funny and 
I didn't think they expected him to be quite so funny. And and then um, and then I read about five different endings. So I then I didn't know what was going on, and mm-hmm. I didn't know if he was going to disappear. Mm-hmm. Which I would have gone either way. I kind of liked like honestly, I st- I really enjoyed working on it so much. It's like working on a really good movie. Working on Boardwalk Empire, the, the, it, it looks amazing. They spend so much money on the production values. They hire the best actors. The directors are incredible. Everything about it is fantastic. That I really t- didn't want to go. And so I was like, I started thinking. And then the crew starts telling you, you know, you're not going anywhere. And once Teamsters t- start telling you things, <laughs> you should believe them because they pretty much know. They know, they know when a show's going to get canceled. They know if a show's going to keep going. They know everything. <laughs> so I thought I was going to stay, you know. And then I just started thinking I bought the hype too. I thought they were going to have me, like, disappear. Which I thought would have been kind of cool. Been cool. When they're ready to end the show, then or... they could have had them come back, you know. Yeah, right. I would have said, been looking over his shoulder. Right? You said Woody Allen. You said obviously Pacino, Scorsese. Who's somebody that you haven't worked with that you want to that you respect or admire? Um, boy, I'd love to work. Um, you know, you know, there are a lot of there there are directors that just haven't that haven't you know I haven't seen anything from them in a while. Whose work I just really love. I'd lo- obviously love to work with De Niro. Um, Coppola, have you worked with? Coppola? I've never worked with Coppola. I'd love to work with him. I'd love to work with Clint William Eastwood? Friedkin. Um, William Friedkin, sure. Yeah. Um, um, you know, there are like, I'd love to work with some foreign directors. I'd love to work outside of this country. Actually, I'd love to work like you know, I'd love to work with Depardieu. That sounds silly, I know, but like he's no. like one of my favorite actors right. ever. So I'd love to work with him on something. I'd love to work with Almodovar. I love his films. Um, um, but yeah, I, you know, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just lucky, man. I wake up and I can't believe the people I get to work with. And, you know, I never really, I never really like set out like, like, I, I, like the goal thing. I never like, I'm not, wasn't the kind of person to like write my goals down or anything. I just, I just like who I like. And I just kind of, you know, I feel like Forrest Gump sometimes, you know, I get a call and they're like, you're going to do Glengarry with Pacino. And I'm like, holy sh! I never would have thought that would have happened. Of course. Um, I'd like to, I'd like to do streetcar named desire, you know, like that's something I'd really love to do. But if it doesn't happen, something else will come up like boardwalk. I never saw boardwalk coming, you know, at the time I think I wanted to really do something else and that, that happened. So I just sort of keep one foot in front of the other and do my work and, and then you just never know what's going to be around the corner. Well, you're the man. Thanks for coming in here, man. Thanks Uh, Rich. You bet. Uh, uh, go see Lovelace right now. Um, and also Blue Jasmine in theaters near you. Um, we're rooting for you when you come back out here to take home Emmys, plural. Thanks, buddy. You you deserve it. You Thanks. deserve it. You're he, the best. This segment holds the single record for bleeps as well. We're <laughs> Is that true? Really? One, two, three, four, five, six, Well, I seven, added eight, some. Nine, ten, it's not my... It, Thirteen. I, I set the tone. Oh, I know. Right. You Watch started it. He was well, going clean. That's, by the way, you the, went blue. When I've worked as a roast master before, which is one of my favorite things to do, you've got to set the tone as the roast master. So everyone who roasts, you know, just fills back fills behind you. Yeah, yeah. I, I once roasted Dan Patrick, and I had Nick Bakai wrote the, write the jokes, and they were so profane. But I made sure because you have to you have to drop them all. The F word, the C word, you got to do that. The C word, you got to do. You that. want C word? Yes, you have to do as as you got to set the tone. I love the C word. I mean, <laughs> by the way, it's the uh-huh. only 
I think the C word's having a renaissance. By the way, I, I live. Agree. I, live I, I know women that use the C word. Exactly. Right? That's I have an Australian yeah. roommate right now for the summer. While my regular roommate's working in Brooklyn, mm-hmm. she drops the C word. My girlfriend's Australian. All the time, she it is ridiculous. It a lot. A lot. It's she does. It's, it's an Aussie yep. thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's an Aussie. I mean, thing. she's not like check out my C. Right. You know, she's she's, she's <laughs> no, but it. like calling people C's all the time. People yeah, from down yeah, under yeah, are calling people C's. It's crazy. And also, you add the Y at the end. This person was no question. That works. Absolutely. It's also the only word a golf ball listens to. <laughs> yeah. By the way, try that out. Only I, you could talk to a golf ball and curse at it as much. The only word a golf ball listens to is the c word. Ah, c word's so I've, good. It's true. It's true. A renaissance. It is. It is. It is made a renaissance. <laughs> yeah. Uh, good to see you, Bobby. Thanks, Rich. You are the Thanks, man. man. And also at at, uh, at Bobby Cannavale on Twitter. Yeah. As well. Yeah. Follow that man there as well. And, and by the way, it just shows you you've got an Australian roommate. Your roommate's Al Pacino. Good for you. <laughs> we're Good both, for you, we're Bobby. Bo- we're both winning. That's right. You're both <laughs> you're winning. Thanks very much for being on here, Thanks, man. man. That's man. Bobby Cannavale on the Rich Eisen podcast in f***ing person. <laughs> co-tidy bad. Yeah. Co-tidy bad. You're not fully bad unless, unless you're co-tidy bad. That, I don't know about you guys, but that may be one of the all-time best, right? It's up there for me. I, just, you know. I what, texted you guys over the weekend that I've been – I. I'd been thinking about that one. Couldn't wait to hear it back. Yeah. yeah. So there was the uh, mint green scooter that he the Vespa. that he or the, the Vespa, Vespa that he drove by, and yeah. he saw Reggie Jackson. He right. yelled, "Reggie!" Yeah, it's amazing. And then uh, yelling at Jeter from the third baseline in the World Series, hey. and then finally he turns around. He's like, "Bro, I hear you." Bro, right. that's so great. Slapping you. Woody Allen on the arm, and then just doing that thing the whole set, and then. Uh, <laughs> The 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 C word Renaissance. The C word Renaissance. <laughs> and, and adding a Y to and it. He's amazing. He's such a good actor. Like Boardwalk Empire. Like like I told you before, I was off of it, mm-hmm. and because you know Wahlberg kind of spoiled the season two finale for me, so I got off of it. Mm-hmm. And then when you said how amazing he was on season three, I was like, ah, oh, all right. So I went back after we had him on the first time, and. He owned Amazing. season three. Owned he it. ruled the season three roost. Owned and, it. and again, we hope we didn't spoil any too much with him, but we did give you a little heads up that there was a spoiler yeah. before we talked about you know his character in season three. And I, I, I truly believe, and again, I'm obviously a, a fan of his and just really like him as a guy and as a person and all that stuff, but for people our age or my age, because I know I'm 10 years older than you guys, just... He might be one of the best actors of 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 our generation. In the fact, when you see him on Broadway, when you see him, he's won a Tony, and he's now nominated for two Emmys. And I think he's clearly going to be in more and more movies. Mm-hmm. Pacino and Woody Allen, and he's just he's awesome. He really, really is awesome. Big time on the rise, you know. And so uh, I couldn't be more happy to have him on. He, he's not quite James Hong level of credits on IMDb. <laughs> well, I mean, nobody is. He's he's up. To nobody like is eighty. Cre- I mean, he, and that doesn't include Broadway, but eighty credits on IMDb. He's in a ton of stuff. I didn't realize how yes, much stuff he's he in. He has been. Will and Grace, I believe. Yeah, he, he, he was on yeah. Will and Grace. Yeah, he was superb in Will and Grace, and um, that was fun. Man, what a great discussion. Now, <laughs> just to wrap things up here. Um, I don't want to spoil anything for you and for anybody else yeah. out there um, who has not seen Breaking Bad. I, I plan on watching. It's just one of those things I haven't gotten to yet. But it just proved again when it returned for its, I believe, final eight episodes this past Sunday night. It just proved again what master storytellers, these writers, and I guess Vince Gilligan, the executive <sighs> producer, what masters they are 
at writing, moving a story along uh, at a pace that I, I like. Okay, it's not like one of those shows where they just... Uh, sometimes that happens with either Mad Men or it used to happen with The Sopranos where the pace of it was intense and the writing was good and the acting was good, but at the end of the show, you're like, well, what happened? Did did the plot really move along? <laughs> right. Or did we just really get really introspective into the human psyche for the sake of getting introspective into the human psyche? Wasted episodes. And, well, I mean, that that's sense. one way to look at it. You know what I mean? But that's Where one thing that people... might view it as such, but it is still an art, it's still an of course, art form. Of course. And, you know what I mean by that? People have said that about Sopranos and Mad Men, Mad Men too. for a while, where there's just episodes where you're like, okay, we they could have just avoided that and mm-hmm. moved the story forward in a better way. But to me, Breaking Bad, delving into the human psyche, as well as moving the plot along. Yeah. And how they choose to do it by, and I'm just going to throw, I'm not going to ruin it, but just how they choose to do it by putting certain characters together in certain scenes that you just wouldn't think. One of the best scenes of Sunday night involved to move the plot along and also get into the human psyche was where uh, Aaron Paul who plays Jesse Pinkman. Jesse Pinkman, who is incredible, was with Saul Goodman and Bob Odenkirk, where it was funny, it was intense, it was excellent. You didn't think of it, didn't see that coming. No. Badger, your your voice My doppelganger. Voice, yeah. That's people, okay. I get many tweets about and the other and one of the other scales with Pinkman, the first time you saw Jesse in this last season, stellar. Yep. Love that scene. And then just the opening of it the, with the flashback and it gives you an idea of just how the world for Walter White is going to change over the next eight episodes and you're wondering how you're going to get from that point to point A to point B. And then the final scene, I think I'm doing a good job oh, of I getting d- my point across without yeah. ruining anything nope. here. The final scene where, in a way... Um, it's something that we've been waiting for since the previous, the way that the previous season ended. ended yep. We're wondering how is that going to play out? That final reveal and shocker of the final episode of the last season and how they did play it out and how it all matriculated into that final scene with Walter White and. Um, so th- this and is Dean the, Norris, who, who plays Hank Schrader. Hank Schrader, who was awesome because, again, the way that Hank had something revealed to him, it just kept his mind spinning and it got him sick to his stomach, and he could not, he could not put on airs, yeah, which put on his sleeve what his mindset is moving forward. And how Walter reacted to that. And the final line of the episode. Awesome. I mean, just you just don't see that certainly for sure outside of pay TV cable. You just don't, don't see it. Yeah. You don't see it. And I cannot wait to watch that episode again to pick up on some stuff. It really is how it's the way they put the puzzle together, the way the actors read these lines, the way they write it. It's truly the best show on television. It really, really is. It with is all due respect to Bobby, who just lit up Boardwalk Empire, which is 
excellent in its own right. I don't think anything touches Breaking Bad. I really just don't think anything touches Breaking Bad. You know what I mean? So um, that was just a great return, one of the best returns I've seen from any show where you're expecting, you know, equal greatness and then you receive it. Totally. I'm raving. What's What's been tough for me is I watched the first four seasons – after they had aired, so I, I could get my next fix right away. You're caught, so you're caught up. Oh, yeah, I'm caught up, and I watched last night's episode, and it's just like I want to hit play on my iTunes or whatever and watch the next episode right away. It's uh, tough now. Yeah, to you can't binge view the right, entire week. when you watch it in real time. Do you admit for sure that you do, in fact, sound like Badger? So I know you're not a meth head, <laughs> but you, I, I think... I think you can ag- I, I do you don't agree with that. I, you asked, don't the, I asked the wife last night because we watched it together. I'm like, Dude. here's the guy everyone thinks I, I sound like. And she could have been trying to be nice or whatever. She's like, I don't think so. But, well, she's your wife. You know. Chris Brockman, I will break the tie here. There's no question he sounds like this guy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, you've it goes got, back to that Hank Azaria I mean, question. But like, you've gotten no hundreds question. of tweets yeah, about yeah, yeah, you know, people have, yeah. saying that. question. We gotta no get. Question. We'll get Badger on Matt. Do Jones you think I could watch like fifty episodes this week so I could get caught up yeah. in time? And, I, I, and here's and here's here's my answer to that. I'm so jealous if you do that, <laughs> for two reasons. One, that I would love to rewatch some of these again because I don't, I can't remember I've, I've all of the references. I've seen season one, and in, and in last night's show, we got a lot of references. I rewatched visual, last visual when they were going through some evidence. Yeah. And then, and then, and then, in the last scene, there was a lot of things thrown out that I've tried to keep up with. So I'd love to get caught up again in that respect. And two, just the fact that your lifestyle is in such a way that you have the time for that. <laughs> I'm so jealous, man. I would just, I would just. I'm telling you again. It was my son's birthday a couple of like ten days ago, but there was some sickness in the house, right, and we right. couldn't really. You know, he got a little banged up. You know, the virus. As I told you, we're shooting. We're looking for the host monkey in the backyard, yeah. so we could shoot it and suck the serum out of it to get this, you know, virus out of the house. And there was all sorts of stuff. So it was sort of, in a way, like the Mariano Rivera retirement. It lasted. It felt like it lasted a year. <laughs> right. we, we we celebrated his birthday four different times throughout the week. Once at school, once an abortive attempt at home, and then there was this party yesterday. I put toys together on Sunday. And all you fathers out there who have done this, or uncles, or whatever, brothers, or whatever, spent 45 minutes putting together this toy from Planes, okay? Because I knew this was coming. There's all of this right. toys from this new of movie, course. which I did see this weekend, by the way, with my youngest, who went to the movies for the first time. So I sat through all of it, I might add. So long story short, 45 minutes it took me to, to put this whole damn thing together. And my kid played with it for 45 seconds. <laughs> Ouch. You would think, toy makers out there, this is my message to you. The ratio of it taking one minute for each minute that I have to spend to put it together, it should be longer than just the one second. There should be more of a, of a ratio than of, one, of, one minute to one second. Build, one minute, build one time minute to play time. To play time. Right. Yes. <sighs> now I've got that off my uh, my chest. What, let's uh, get to the promotions and wrap up. What do we want to? What are yeah, we hitting here? Um, what do we hit? What well, are we for the here? folks that let's all once again throw out there uh, for because you know we're obviously not the only podcast in the NFL media universe. Damashek is lit up like a, a can of gas right now. He's on fire with all of these preseason shows that he's putting together. The Around the League gang has their own podcast. 
that I believe if I because I, I I did see our podcast because when you told me the the uh, the de- number of the downloads for the David Larry David Matt Damon, I did for the first time in weeks check our iTunes, um, ranking. Mm-hmm. I don't know how they'd put that together. Yeah. I don't know what we've got to do to get past Simmons just for one week. <laughs> I don't know what we have to do. <laughs> I don't know, he calls up his buddy Klosterman, and I, 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 I can't be, I can't, I can't even get Larry David past that. But I have no idea how many downloads he gets. Bottom line is, uh, I saw around the league crack the top ten. Nice on iTunes. So that's uh, congratulations, guys. That's, that's, that's awesome. Guys. We're growing as a unit. You know who try, helped try and produce that show last try week? And, try and find us though on the NFL app. <laughs> you have to hire well, a private detective for that. We're working on it. We're working on it. Um, I feel like I'm, I feel like my five year old. You I'm just like, stood. I'm, I'm, by the way, you stood up exactly. and screamed. I pulled a groin. I pulled a groin. Just don't go to a knee. I, just didn't, I didn't hide you know flag. But I feel like my five year old who's lashing out at mom and dad. Ugh. I'm sorry. It's all right. Promote something before I get myself. Yeah, more well, dry. I already I already said the word iPad to an NFL executive. Yeah, that, who used the word tablet? I'm sorry. You a note. Go ahead. I uh, know if you sorry. if you can't get any of the preseason action, NFL.com/slash preseason live. Uh, you can watch every single preseason game. Okay. And obviously, uh, that's not for our international listeners. But if you are an international listener, uh, Game Pass during the season. Yes. Every single game is available to you. Cheerio. If you're domestic, you can listen to the audio radio call of your local announcer. Just go to NFL. Dot com slash game pass sign up it's really good stuff okay uh, so. also punters or people com. go there we're selling t-shirts um and look out as more more female sizes we got colors we're going to expand the brand too nice. very very shortly and also to keep it up you're going to lose t-shirts or not selling we, we got to get back on that somebody told me on twitter to keep it up this weekend <laughs> yeah what'd you say back to him i said <laughs> some blogger i was just out of the blue just like lashed out at me on twitter what did he say? Something along the lines of like, uh, "Was I born to send out nauseous tweets right. or and something then, like that?" And then your, and I looked your at response him, I looked was at amazing. His, uh, he has like a fedora on his on his uh, avatar, so I just tweeted back, "Nice hat." <laughs> and, then, and then I got like four tweets back in a row. In a he row. wouldn't let it go. I, know. I had to stop. Right. Once you go personal on someone's attire, well, I mean, per- I'm just sitting there on a Sunday watching golf, putting. Stupid ass toys together for an hour. Fair enough. Fair enough. All uh, right. Sorry. One other event to promote. Yes. Uh, big fantasy draft week initiative in yes, New York. Yes. Uh, I'm producing the event. I'll be there along with a team of that's other odd. people. That's odd. So you're going away again, huh? I'm going away again, but okay, that's uh, very it's a strange. fan friendly event. So fans <laughs> fans can come. Um, it's uh, August 22nd to the 24th at Liberty Theater in Times Square. Okay. And if you go to nflcom week, you can sign up. But all of our fantasy experts are there. Michael Irvin, Marshall Falk, Dante Culpepper, LeVar Arrington, mm-hmm. Fred Taylor, Javon Curse. Wow. Possibly the commissioner, some more players. So go to that website, get tickets, come. Okay. It's a fun time. Very good. And lastly, uh, I appeared on the Undisputed Sport podcast. Did you hear that? Somebody from New Zealand. Over the weekend down in New Zealand. You were a guest on his New Zealand-based podcast. I was a guest on the New Zealand-based where sports can we, podcast. And where can we download that? Uh, uh, UndisputedSports.com. You can Clearly, check that that's out. Clearly, the, that's the international shout-out for the show. We yeah, cannot beat that. He's a gigantic Rams fan. Uh, Jono and Rich, they uh, had reached out to me, and I said that I would do it, and okay. it was a great time. We talked for like 45 minutes. Very good. We've been talking too long on the show. Yes, we're done. Uh, thanks again to Bobby Cannavale for coming in, and then you know, I guess he slipped past me, and he was he was he was stuck in the uh, the parking structure vortex that all of us here at <laughs> NFL Media know all too well. Unfortunately, uh, thank him, thank Dean Blandino, uh, thank you at Chris Law, Absolutely. thank you thanks, at Rich. Chris Brock, and for at the Eisen Podcast, I'm at Rich Eisen. Peace out. And for all of us here at the Medill School of Journalism. 
Thanks for joining us. I'm Richard Eisen. Stay listening, dear friends.